Take a look on back a few decades past To a simpler time to be When your cares were tied To a phone call right And the next show on TV So crank on up your boombox jams And flip your tape to the beside We're going back to class on this podcast That's right, everyone. Welcome back to 80s High, the podcast that revisits that radical decade so we can check out all those sweet summertime rides from bikes to big wheels and beyond. I'm Chris. And I'm Ben. And this, our dear friends and listeners, is 80s High. Benjamin, I had some interesting news to drop on you. But it sounds like you have a couple items as well. Do you want to kick us off with some 80s-inspired updates, things you've experienced in the last couple of weeks? I've got a few things. Last night I was inspired. I watched a little Mystery Science Theater 3000. Uh, the episode was Devil Fish. Okay. Which was was like, it an 80s episode? Not, it's, it's okay. Oh, it's a good question. It's okay if it wasn't. Well, no, it's not. I know it's not because it was hosted okay. by Mike Nelson. Okay. But you know what? Not Joel Hodgson. It doesn't matter. We did cover the origins of the show, which they oh, go yeah. back to the 80s. Oh, uh, yeah. And season one, I believe, right? Of this very podcast you're listening 100%. to. 100%. And I love it. There's this, you know, you might have this in your neighborhood, wherever you are in the world, uh, this buy nothing you know, a couple months ago, somebody put up a, just a box. They're like, I found some DVDs in my house. Whoever wants them, wants them. So I picked up that gold mine and found the Gamera box set from Mystery Science Theater 3000. Oh. For those of you who don't know, Gamera is like the turtle kaiju in the Godzilla universe. Yeah. So they're all like Gamera movies and weird ones. There's multiples. It's so Yay. great. It's so great. So I had three things for you. That's one. Two. Oh, three. Okay. I promised listeners last time I would try and go find out. Could right. you buy Duck Hunt without the Nintendo? Did it come separate from the package? Yes. And the answer, survey my says, dear sir, survey says, I don't know. I'm so oh. sorry. This is terrible. <laughs> I failed. <laughs> Look, I, I Googled. I Yahooed. I even asked Jeeves. Did and you, not, okay. none of them knew. No. Okay. Jeeves Did you Bing? Went, Maybe Bing was your answer. Look, I would definitely go to ask Jeeves even before Bing. Who Bings? <laughs> he says in Microsoft country. How insulting. How insulting. Man, oh, man. when was the last time I opened Bing? Um, I Never? cannot find it anywhere. I, I mean, all the okay. resources, all the research we did for the Duck Hunt episode was pretty deep. We did deep research. None of them had it. I could not find it. So I know. I really don't know. I'm going to go say you couldn't. Yeah, you try and think of like old NES cartridge packaging, and they would have to come up with a, a totally unique packaging to also have the light gun in it. Yeah. And it just seems expensive and complicated. I can't picture yep. it on the shelf, but you, listeners, if you had Duck Hunt by yourself that you bought, let us know. Correct us. Put us on the right path. We need to know. Chris, the last thing I want to hit you with real fast. Okay. Because we're in homeroom. We're carving these notes into the desk for the next class to see what were these guys talking about. Perfect. I'm so excited. Last week, I got out for the first time in a very long time. Oh, yeah. Back to pub trivia. Yes. And it was awesome. We took third. We took third out of like nine. We didn't do bad. By one point, we almost got second. But it was superheroes, which I did not moderately pretty good at. Okay. It was President's Day. So a lot of president questions. Those could be hard. Really hard. Really, really There's hard. There's a lot of presidents. I don't think they get a lot of airtime. Mardi Gras, which our team cheated because we had someone from New Orleans. So like we got every Mardi Gras question correct. You stack that deck in your favor, man. No, That's super. great. Weirdly, the category I crushed was Canadian music. 
Okay. <laughs> so much so much music that we think is like awesome, especially from like 80s and 90s and the yeah. are like Canadian artists. Mm-hmm. So I knew a lot of the artists music. Anyway, there was a song that was um that came on and they would play the music and you have to write down the artist and the name of the song. Yeah. The song came on and it was The Weeknd's Blinding Lights. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which is like I've always been the guy to like get into the thing too late. I'm I miss when everyone else is into it and then a few years later I'm like, "Oh, this is great." Like in high school everybody loved or or OAR. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't until I got to college that I was like, "You know what? This is kind of fun to listen to." I like I totally missed the wave. I've still missed the or wave, so I'm like, <laughs> "No, it's it's fine." I, it's I'm like long gone. <laughs> jam banding on another level. But like that song, Blinding Lights, is such a great tribute to like 80s music. It came out November 29th, 2019. So we're f- I'm four years behind. Right. But it was just awesome. It's a great tune. It sounds like he samples, like he's picking up some sort of like actual 80s song. And he's not. It is his sound, pure, mm-hmm. start to finish. But anyway, I know you've all listened to this song because I'm behind everybody else. But listener, if you need a good like 80s dose of like remix today that sounds like remix, The Weeknd's Blinding Lights is awesome. It's a great song. Yeah, it's, it's actually... One of his songs, I really like his trilogy album, but like yeah. that's one of his newer ones that I'm like, oh man, this is awesome. It's on he's my so good. My he's top a, playlist. He's a genius artist. So good. What what you got? What's going on with you in Homeroom? Well, I have to tell you, this is an interesting kind of pairing of follow-ups from our last episode. You mentioned Duck Hunt, and something randomly showed up on I think I was scrolling on Instagram. No, this is on Facebook. Sorry. I was scrolling on Facebook and A random post came up, you know, it's not anyone I follow, and it says the 10 best-selling video games of all time. And I was like, "Er, I got to check out what this is. Yeah. Ben, what do you think is the best-selling video game of all time? Again, according to this site, so, you know, it's it's called World of Facts. I'm going to assume it's accurate. I did not fact-check the fact-checker, but anyway. So I feel like in Duck Hunt, we might have said, it's been a couple weeks, that Duck Hunt was like third, I think. Okay. Maybe. Uh, I'm going to go with, <laughs> I'll go with Pong as the most selling video game of all time. Okay. You're, I would say on the right track, it's not Pong, but think of something else that's almost ubiquitous with video games. I'm going to give you a hint. It showed up in our group chat with our friends very recently. Oh, uh, E.T. the Extraterrestrial? Oh, no, sorry. That's just the largest garbage dump filled with video games. The largest desert deposited game is, of course, E.T., uh, no, what was it? Not Halo. I mean, Halo's probably in there in the Pantheon, but lower on the list. Not, not a top seller. It's Tetris. Oh, of course. Duh. Yeah. <gasps> oh, right. Yes. Yeah. And that's going to be my second one. So we'll put a pin in that. We'll put a pin okay. in Tetris. But Tetris is number one. But this is the one that kind of like ground my gears a little bit. Number two is Wii Sports. So I think that suffers from the same duck hunt situation. Yes. Thank you, yes. Which is what we brought up last time, which is like, well, Duck Hunt sold all these, you know, this many Duck Hunt uh, games were sold. And I was like, oh, that many Nintendo entertainment systems were sold. This to me, like, you, everyone got Wii Sports. You had no- It came bundled. It was with the yeah, Wii. So you had no choice. This felt like a cheat because I was like, what? And the number three, Super Mario Brothers, kind of the same thing. Yeah, totally. I don't yeah, know yeah. if they're including like, there's like a re-release on Super Nintendo and stuff like that. Anyway, the the rest, I think, are games that you would actually purchase. Like, number four is, like, GTA uh, San Andreas. Oh, like, sure. Sure. Yeah. Sure. That's, that felt like the f- second legitimate one. But those two up there, I was like, well, come on. That's really you're, how many Wii's and NES's were sold. Yeah. So, but it's just Cheating. so funny that happened to pop up after we talked about that it's on perfect. our last episode. That's awesome. 
Which then, like I said, backdoors into the second thing, which is they're releasing a movie about Tetris. <sighs> you know what's crazier about that is that it looks awesome. And like not in an ironic way, I think yeah. it actually looks really good. I mean, this is in a nutshell. You have a game that was engineered by a Soviet software engineer, Alexei Pajitnov. Hopefully I said that correctly. And it was just this really interesting development paired with all of these legal disputes and battles over ownership and rights. And this game came out in 1984. I mean, that's something we could at some point cover yeah. on this podcast. Oh, yeah. But I, I did not expect that. And it's coming out really soon on Apple TV. It's March 15th, 2023. So shortly after this episode drops, you're going to be able, if you have Apple TV, to check out this movie about Tetris and... Yeah, it looks like it's a little bit of like there's a little bit of Cold War intrigue almost. I don't know, but no, it, yeah, mostly wow. it mostly looks like a Cold War spy slash business drama. Like right. it, it looks <laughs> awesome. It is like Wolf of Wall Street meets yes. like. Uh, well, here we're going to be self-referential again. Meets Miracle on Ice. That uh, Wolf that of iconic- Wall Street meets Miracle on Ice. <laughs> Kind of. It looks awesome. I actually really do want to watch it. It looks like a good movie. We're just referencing ourselves a lot. So We anyway, are the Nintendo of podcasting. We are. Okay, Ben. We both are like carrying ridiculous stacks of Nintendo cartridges in our hands, but we're going to have to drop these because my dad is telling us we have to go outside. Oh. We can't stay indoors. We can't play these games. So I think we're going to hold history class outdoors And we can go there and learn about the origins of some of our favorite, our most iconic childhood summertime rides from the 80s. Ben, what do you say? I'm ready to kick the tires and light the fires. Let's hit it. Oh, amazing. What is that from? Is that from Top Gun? If I get this, that's going to be impressive because I've never seen Top Gun the whole way through. Harry Connick Jr. is Captain Jimmy Wilder in Independence oh, Day. Independence Day! <laughs> I mean, close. <laughs> Fighter jet pilots. Totally. Saving 100%. America. Air Force is involved. You were there. Air Force, yeah. Let's kick the tires and light the fires, Big Daddy. That's right. <laughs> I love that movie. I don't care how terrible it is. That movie is awesome. Welcome to Earth, Punch. Oh, so good. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> Welcome to Earth. Isn't that funny how that works when you hear like a movie quote and you're like, oh, I know what that's from. It's so good. It's so Sometimes good. Sometimes you can pinpoint it. Sometimes you get in the neighborhood. I give myself a, a B minus. I got in the neighborhood. Boom, baby. We're here to talk about something that's like a bigger topic. It's not as specific like a certain IP. It's really about this whole phenomena of being outdoors, particularly in the summertime and all those adventures we'd have. Which there, we could talk about a lot of things. We want to talk about those adventures on wheels. It sounds like Disney on ice. I'm very excited for this. Exactly. And so I just, you know, I want to talk about some of this because it shows up a lot. And I can think about all of these like cool vehicles and toys that were marketed to children. Hello, 80s deregulation that comes up in a lot 100%. of these bigger topics. So I thought it'd be fun to talk about. I mean, there's a ton of things we can focus on. But for history, I wanted to kind of narrow it down to some of the things that I think are some of the most iconic sets of wheels that kids had in the 80s. You said the magic word right there, kids, which I want to do the little disclaimer here at the top of the episode. Yes. Because if you were like 15 or older, 16 or older, your summer wheels 
were very different than little kids. You were looking for like that sweet ride, the car you were working summer jobs to save up for, or like your friend who had the ride that you could all jump in and like yep. go to the the hangout point on weekend nights, where whatever that was, some cool diner or restaurant or uh, or lover lovers lookout above town, wherever you went. This is very different. We're going to talk about kids wheeled yep. toys in the summer. Yeah, not your dad's Chevette or your mom's AMC Pacer. We're not Ooh, talking about those cars. Great call-outs. Awful, awful vehicles. Anyway. <laughs> or the Pinto, that way, like the gas tank would explode. What yeah. was the van that your family had where there was no floor? You were basically like Flintstoning it on road trips? Oh, no, that was Is our it? Chevette. That's the um, Chevette. Okay, that's the Chevette. The Chevette floor had rusted out on the passenger side in the front. So my dad had to put like plywood down. <laughs> Particularly when it rained, so the passenger wouldn't get like road water on them. Because your, yeah. your passenger's just Betty Rubble in it down the road. Basically, you're going Jeez. freaking oh basically. My God, yeah, it was Fantastic. amazing. Okay, good. Okay, so we're not talking about those things. This is really about your childhood, all of those kid adventures that you went on. And so for history, you know, there's we could be here for three hours. That's not super exciting. But like I said, I, I thought we could focus on. Three slash four things, Ben, that I think are are very synonymous with 80s kids' wheels. Yeah, love it. And we got to start off with bicycles because- Sure. Bikes. Because bikes. Bikes. But before we get to bikes, we actually have to talk about trikes because they predate the bicycle. I mean, I know like developmentally as a little child, you get on a tricycle before a bicycle. Are you saying Mm -hmm. tricycles were developed before bicycles? I indeed did say that, and that is something I didn't realize. What in the history of engineering shenanigans are you saying right now? This is crazy. I'm going to guess stability because, you know, riding on two wheels is not something you can just do. Anyone could get on a trike and ride. A bicycle takes some balancing work, right? That is fascinating. That's actually a really good point. I guess I never really thought about it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So let's go back to the 1600s. What? What? And there was a three-wheeled wheelchair that was built by a disabled German man. His name is Stefan Farfler. He wanted to be able to maintain his mobility. He had been a watchmaker, and he created this vehicle that was powered by hand cranks so that he could, again, have mobility. I'm assuming his disability was in his legs or his feet, and he wasn't able to walk around. And so this was a way for him to, back in the 17th century, man before his time, super great. And then if we jump ahead about 100 years to 1789, two French inventors developed a three-wheel vehicle powered by pedals. They called it the tricycle. So here's where we get the actual, not just a vehicle for that purpose, but really we're going to make this vehicle. It's pedal-powered, and it's going to be that thing that anyone can use and get around. Which is highly different than pester power. Pester power is a very different pedal thing. Pedal power, pester power. You might pest, use pester power to achieve pedal power through your That's hands. That's true. But they're different. Just yeah, for those pester power is probably going to come up in this episode if you don't know what that oh my means. God, for That's sure. basically an 80s term, more or less, about you know how kids could utilize their pester ability to get what they wanted out of their parents. It's a very strong weapon. Let's jump ahead about another 100 years to 1876. James Starley develops the Coventry Lever Tricycle. Some of these names are fantastic. The Coventry Lever Tricycle. Fantastic. Now, this is going to blow your mind. This had two small wheels on the right side and a large wheel on the left side. That's absolutely insane. Why? 
and it was powered by hand levers. I didn't even know this was a thing. It is amazing. So it's like, you know, the old timey bicycle, the penny farthing, where it's the giant front sure, wheel and the, of and the little baby back wheel. Well, imagine you put that giant wheel on the side. You got two little baby wheels on the other side. That was a thing. I thought that was super cool. That's such a weird balance. Two little on one side, big one on the other. Okay, that's kind of fun. Now, the tricycle that we all know of, where are those wheels, Ben? A traditional tricycle would have one larger wheel in the front center of said vehicle and two smaller wheels on either side behind the rider. Indeed, and that gives you that little triangle. That's a nice stable structure, you know, those three wheels. That is called a delta tricycle. Oh, because the Greek symbol delta is a triangle. There it is. Boom. Boom, bam, bing. And then there's the tadpole tricycle, which has two front wheels and then the one larger rear wheel. That's so called it's just a tadpole? Tadpole, which I guess kind of makes sense. It looks like it's, you know, the tail in the back and you kind of got the, you know, the body up front. That's adorable that that's called Isn't a tadpole. Great? I kind of like yeah. that a lot. So again, we could develop a whole episode about tricycles. We're going to put a pin in it and we're going to come back to tricycles because they're going to be a big influence for probably something that we all know about 80s kids toys. So let's talk a little bit about bicycles. Bicycles were introduced in the 19th century in Europe. And this is crazy. By the early 21st century, there were more than 1 billion bicycles worldwide. Billion with a B? A billion with a B. Wow. Okay. Not quite a bike for every person, but we're getting there. But we're getting there. So specifically invented in 1818 called the Laufmaschine. And it was the first human means of transport to use only two wheels in tandem. The inventor was a German baron named Karl von Dreis. Love it. So it's regarded as the first bicycle, and Von Dres is seen as the father of the bicycle, even though at this time it did not have pedals. Now, there's a lot of hilarious old-timey names for bicycles we're going to be talking about here. Velocipede. Velocipede? That's awesome. That's a great name. It is a great name, and it's sometimes used synonymously with bicycle, sometimes not. But I think effectively it's sort of the shape and type of transport here, a velocipede. Okay. Particularly when, again, those pre-pedal days when you're just kind of kicking and then you're coasting. You're not – you don't have the – what we now know as like the the pedals and the chain and the, you know, crank sure. finger kind of moving everything through, uh, through that process. So the basic shape and configuration of this typical upright, which uh, I learned was called a safety bicycle. That's the term of the kind of upright bikes that we know today. Uh, has changed very little even after the advent of the chain-driven model. And that was developed around 1885, so, you know, several decades after our good German baron. The word bicycle itself did start appearing in a French publication in 1847. Okay. And then it showed up in an English newspaper, the Daily News, in 1868. So by the mid-1800s, the word bicycle's kind of getting out there. And I love this. There's so many other old-timey names for bikes. I just had to read some of these off. So we're talking about Velocipede, right? We also have hobby horse. Sure. The the old hobby horse. Got it. The more derogatory dandy horse. Dandy horse? What? A dandy was sort of a derogative for like a a fancy boy. Oh, okay. You know, like somebody who was like of upper class and, you know, didn't want to get themselves, you know, kind of dirty and a little more. Yeah. Penny farthing, of course. I think I mentioned that You mentioned penny farthing. Absolutely. My absolute favorite. That's, again, giant wheel in the front, real on the back. I mean, I think that's that's actually like a common mode of transportation in Portland in the summer. I think a lot of people wear penny farthings. 
A hundred percent. You know there's a penny farthing shop somewhere. There's got to be. And it's called Bespoke or something like that. Um, <laughs> but there's... that's genius. Did you just come up with that? No, there's actually a store here called Bespoke. And I was like, oh, what's that? I thought it was like some like gin bar. No, it's actually, I think, a bike shop. And that's I was like, of genius. course it is. That's hilarious. I like that a lot. So hipster. Um, Swift Walker. That's amazing. Swiftwalker 100% sounds like a new mech that the Empire creates in Star Wars. Yeah. It's like a really fast ad-ad that you got to like watch out for. It's a- Actually, th- that was one of the names Luke Skywalker was going to be Luke Swiftwalker. Ooh, they like changed Luke it. Luke Swiftwalker. A pedestrian curicle? A, oh, okay. And a running machine. Later named the treadmill. No, uh, <laughs> a running machine. <laughs> <The> so... <laughs> So again, we could do like a whole podcast about bicycles, uh, not even just an episode. So that's just like some fun backstory history about bikes because I didn't know a bunch of this stuff. I didn't know sort of this timeline. And of course, we know bikes are a huge staple of childhood. Uh, Well, they still are. And certainly when we think about pop culture 80s, there's almost always a a bike riding scene that our heroes and protagonists go on. So we're going to talk more about those, of course, later in the episode. So that's really all I want to say about bikes. It's just kind of like some fun backstory of like how they came to be. I loved all the names. I I love all the fun different concepts for them. And I, you know, they started actually taking the form that we recognize today is a lot sooner than I thought it was. I thought that would have happened a lot longer ago. That's cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's good insights. Super good cool. insights. Now we have to talk about Big Wheel. Heck yeah, we do. We've waited long enough. I've just been, you know, blowing smoke. It's time to get to the real centerpiece, the Big Wheel. Now, Ben, I have a question for you. Is Big Wheel a brand name or a colloquialism? So this is like Band-Aid, right? Like that it started Kleenex, as a brand name. It'd be a Kleenex. Q-tip, it becomes generic after a while. Yeah, dumpster, all that stuff. So is Big Wheel a brand? I feel like on a recent show, we discovered something we were talking about was like, hmm. oh, Jazzercise. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. We thought Jazzercise was just like the term for doing this exercise, but that's actually like a branded company like yeah, yeah, Jazzercise. Yeah. That was a big shocker. Uh, let's see here. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Big Wheel... Did the same thing. I think it started as a brand, but then became the colloquial term we all use for like a plastic tricycle with a big wheel in the front. You are 100% correct. Sweet. It is a registered trademark, but frequently used as that generic name for any of those toys that resembled the original. Okay. Okay. So uh, the big wheel was first developed by Lewis Marks and company in 1969. Oh, Marks. I've got some. Is it M-A-R-X? It sure is. I've got some on marks later. Okay, we'll sprinkle that in uh, when the opportunity strikes. Yeah. So the the big wheel is very popular in the 70s in the United States. And a large part of that was because it was a low-cost thing. And partly because, this was interesting, there's a little bit of bad press about tricycles that actually worked in the favor of the big wheel. Bad press about tricycles? Bad press. So... There were consumer groups that were concerned about the safety of kids on tricycles or bikes falling, injuring themselves, you know, higher center of gravity, less stable, big wheels, your butt's on the ground, basically. Sure, 100%. It was kind of a selling point of like, well, actually, big wheels aren't that unsafe in that kids are low to the ground, and so they're not going to fall as much, and they're just – the way that they're like squat and the back wheels are so big and chunky and wide – Kids tipping and all that kind of stuff are falling off, much less dangerous. 
1972, Carolina Enterprises introduces a a knockoff, let's call it, a knockbuster, if a you knock will, buster. called The Hot Cycle. Oh, get out of here. And by the late 70s, Marx had sold the brand name and the molds to Carolina Enterprises. So once a competitor, he's now like, I'm going to go ahead and sell this off to you. It became a new company called Empire Industries. And like that's just the whole thing. I feel like in the 70s, adding hot to anything was like in the 90s, adding extreme to anything. Ooh. You know, like, it's just like, yeah. well, let's try and spice it up a little bit. Like, but we really know. If you weren't the first mover, you lost. Come on. Hot cycle, man. They're like, well, there's hot wheels. Why not yeah, hot To be cycle? fair, hot wheels were kind of a big deal, I guess. Yeah. But were they second mover to Matchbox? Matchbox cars had to come before Hot Wheels. Well, Hydrox came before Oreo, but ain't nobody talking about Hydrox. <laughs> Sam. Wheeled shape of a cookie. Appropriate for the episode. We'll allow it. We'll allow it. There you go. Wheel-shaped cookie. Did Oreo make a Oreo-themed big wheel with just a giant cookie wheel in the front? <laughs> I need it. I need it. And then there was like a, a, a little side tray where you could just easily Eat put your Oreos in while a you package did of Oreos. Like it would just Ooh. go right in there. Wow. We're getting so off track. This is great. It's so good. This was really interesting that I learned this. And I tried to find some backup because I found this on one source and I was like, ooh, I want to verify this. And I couldn't find it, but I, I want to say it's true. The design inspiration for the big wheel is actually an inversion of the tricycle frame. So think about a tricycle. It's like a, a an L-shaped bar. Okay. And it kind of bends down. So if you take the bar and you were to invert it. Yeah, so it looks sure. less like an N and more like a U, if you will. Yeah. That's kind of, that's the shape of the big wheel. Oh, that makes sense. I see what's going on here. Yeah. And right. again, because it's inverted, you sat low, you felt closer to the ground. It's kind of like a sports car. You ever get in a sports car and feel like your butt's dragging on the ground? You're like, oh, yes. Makes it's kind of like that, but you feel closer or more connected to the road because you're mere inches away. Well, that's kind of the feel that the big wheel had. Okay. So I wanted to take a look back. Again, this was marketed as a low-cost thing. Sure. And I wanted to say, like, well, how much did it cost back then? And so what I found, oh, I found sure. an ad, 1981. Good find. You could get a big wheel for $20. <sighs> now, do you know what that would be roughly today, Ben, if you had a guess? You know, I'm going to throw out right now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that's steep for the plastic quality that it was. Okay. So 20 bucks in today's... Dollars, boosh. I'm going to be way off on this. $59.99. It's $65. Oh, pretty close. Okay. Really close. Yeah, so 65 bucks, you could get a big wheel. Man, that seems like a lot, but I don't know. I could, you know, maybe I'm I'm underestimating the quality of these things when they came out of the plastic. I mean, we're going to talk about the quality and what could happen to your big wheel because I think we all remember or have forgotten all of the... (laughs) All of the ways a big wheel could disassemble itself through wear and tear. Well, let, since you're already concerned about this $20 price tag, let's I kick am. it up a notch. Because I oh. want to talk about power wheels. Oh, I'm sorry. Are we selling our firstborn to have a good time now? Yes, Oh, indeed. my God. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Because this also goes back a little bit farther than I realized to the late 40s. I'm sorry. What? So this is the idea of the electric ride-on, as this is called. Originally came from an Italian company known as Peg Peggero, and I probably also mispronounced that. And back in the late 40s, they had an original line of products that were baby carriages. Okay. 
But then, you know, like any good company, we have to diversify our portfolio. See, they, they speak like that in Italy back then. In transatlantic uh, <laughs> Italy. Transmediterranean. A carnival barker. Buongiorno, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, they yeah, kind yeah. of transitioned into creating children's writing toys, which then eventually they were using a gel cell battery so that they were self-propelled. So they kind of moved from baby carriages to these write-on toys to suddenly like, we're going to have a battery. So these things actually are battery powered. Okay. Again, starts in the late 40s. Let's now jump ahead to 84. The Power Wheels brand name. Where we find ourselves are the toy company Cransco. Cransco. Acquired Pines of America, the maker of a battery-powered vehicle for children. And two years later, Cransco renames the line Power Wheels. Hmm. So if I understand correctly, this Italian company eventually sells it off to Pines of America that's then acquired by Cransco that then calls it Power Wheels. Oh my gosh. Okay. All right. At its launch, they had three different designs. Do you have any thoughts on what these designs might be? So one was definitely a children's plastic penny farther that was battery powered. Farthing and no. No, no, the penny farther was good because it went farther than the farthing because it was battery Oh, that was powered. your dad joke for the episode. That Great. was my one dad joke. We used 20 episodes of dad jokes and the duck I know. hunt episode, my friend. We duck are was out of control. severe violation. There's going to be a safety recall. <laughs> <laughs> safety recall. For listeners' ears bleeding. For the dad jokes. Uh, I don't know. Hit me. What, what are the first three models? So there's an old-timey car. Oh, cool. Okay, I like that. Kind of a motorcycle, but it's a trike, so like a kind of motorcycle-looking thing. I take that back. I don't want to give up yet. A military Jeep. Uh, no, but that's a fantastic guess. It is Dang a it. pickup truck, the 4x4, four four, oh, okay. which if you remember this one, everybody, it's like a kind of primary blue color. It looks a lot like Bigfoot, the monster truck. <clears throat> but it wasn't Bigfoot branded, but it I totally looked like one. Bigfoot. That's awesome. Within six years, so this basically at the end of the 80s, Cransco is selling a million plus of these vehicles per year. Wow. So it's doing okay. But this is what I can tell you. People who host this podcast and listen to this podcast and respond were not of those million plus no. per year recipients. And here's maybe why. I think this is certainly why I didn't have one. Again, cost. So $20, oh, yeah. 65 today for a big wheel. Uh, I found a 1988 Barbie Corvette. Oh, I have a picture of that. That's a cool looking car. $140. Which if we're going with my, how I try and do Canadian math when I go across the border. Exactly. Uh, so what you thinking? Triple plus. <laughs> so 140 times three. I mean, we're into, we're into the four, 400. So 450 bucks. Mm, 350. Oh, okay. I was up by 100. 350 is still steep. So that's a lot. And that's probably why a lot of us didn't have it back then. Which we're going to get to this contemporary culture, but the price has not changed. If that's the change with inflation, that's what power wheels still cost today. Yeah. That's crazy. So we're going to come back to all of these in chemistry and in contemporary culture. But Ben, is there anything else history-wise that you think we should talk about before we get into ours and our listeners' experience with all of these sweet rides? Again, we could talk about 17 more things, but I want to make sure if there's something you have top of mind. We're sitting out here in the middle of uh, a field. It's a sunny day. We're yeah. outdoors like our parents want. What do you think? I mean, we could have done roller skates. We could have done roller blades. Unicycle. Mm. I did not get enough unicycle in this episode. 
But, you know, we should always leave a little room for our class to do their own research. That's right. <laughs> After history. No, I think, you've, I think you've really teed this up nicely. This is great. Okay. Well, I, I did a quick check. Mom says we're still not allowed to come inside. So let's head to the park and talk about our memories of those vintage wheels we loved. I love it. My bike, unfortunately, has a flat, so I need to take <gasps> this roller racer. You can step on my pegs and ride on the back and hold onto my shoulders, and I'll pedal there. That's better, because this roller racer is garbage. All roller right. racer! That's so good! <laughs> is the roller racer like the little, like, you, you sit on, like, really on the ground, and you, like, work the two handlebars? And all you do is go back and forth in a zigzag. Yeah. And it the wheels were garbage. It was basically like casters, you know, like right. on a cheap rolly cart or something. They would get stuck in a sidewalk crack, and good luck going on a flat surface, let alone up any sort of minor incline. Oh, it was the worst. I only saw them in gym class, and I thought that was like the only place they could work, like because it's a flat, smooth surface. And even still, you're like, what? Are, what are we doing here? What? Are we? <laughs> I'm not having a good time. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Well, we we spilled the beans already on our thoughts about roller racers. Do they hold up today? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. We, like I said, we have a lot of sweet rides to talk about, but we wanted to ask our class of 80s high. Mm -hmm, hey, mm -hmm. here's a bunch of cool things on wheels that you could experience in the 80s. Which did you have? Which were in your arsenal, your garage, thrown about in the yard or whatever? So here's what we got. Everyone had a bike. Everyone had a big wheel. Wow. I was shocked by wow. that. I, me too. Me too. But that's cool. Nobody had the little tykes crazy coop. Missed opportunity. Sad childhood. Listeners, if you don't know what that is, it's the little red car with the yellow roof. You could get inside, talk about pedal power or kick oh, power. Yeah. You can, yeah, it's like a little Flintstones powered. Yeah. It was like my dad's Chevette. The, the, the it's like, it's my was dad's gone. Chevette. <laughs> and it had a little squeaky horn and the little driver like, weeky, weeky. Like it was, it was a cute little horn. Uh, radio Flyer. We had some folks uh, nice. rolling in some Radio Flyer wagons, that sweet, iconic little red wagon. Nobody had Power Wheels. Again, very surprising, but maybe yeah, not. No, not happening. Not happening. Roller skates were big. Scooters had a good showing. I'm trying to remember when scooters came out. Like, I feel like those were like later 80s, maybe early 90s. And I'm talking about the ones where it's like a skateboard platform with the two, right. you know. Yeah wheels on like it. much later on like late 90s or early aughts is when razor came out those razor scooters oh, that were collapsible yeah. that was like the big comeback for scooters but for i don't sure. know yeah, yeah yeah that was not these okay 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 uh one person <laughs> one person did have the roller racer <laughs> did you take the survey was this you <laughs> i did, did not you, you said you had the roller racer okay i didn't have one but my friend had it and i wrote it and it was terrible but yes uh and everyone had a tricycle yeah good super cool part of childhood you gotta have that so those are the ones we asked about. We also had a write-in for a self-built go-kart that was unpowered, which that sounds pretty freaking cool. Like a soapbox derby? Like what is Maybe. an unpowered go what is an unpowered go-kart? It could be pedaled. I wonder if it's more like a car, like a cart form factor, well, but it's pedal power. That's fascinating. I want a follow-up story. Yeah. Also self-built. If you wrote that and you're listening to this, show us the photos. Show us the receipts. I want receipts. We need to I need see proof. this. 
sweet, sweet ride you made. And then, um, yeah, like the roller skates that you fit over your shoes. Do you remember those? Like Blue and yellow, 100%. Yellow went over yeah. the shoes, it was plastic, and then the blue was the platform. Orange wheels, 100%. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. So yeah, Ben, do you want to talk about some of the like sweet rides you had as a kid? I went back into the the museum of my family, our, our photo database. You sure did. I dug deep. And I, I was looking for the first set of wheels I had, which looks like I opened on Christmas morning, 1985, mm. Play School's Tyke Bike. Tyke Bike. Which is spelled T-Y-K-E. Now, this little bike I don't think was that popular. I'm going to drop you in, in our chat here a little photo just to really prove how insanely illegally adorable I was as a child. I just have to say right now, I am loving what appears to be shag, but it is orange carpet. Oh, like very the orange. Burnt, the burnt orange carpet. Yeah, it's my grandparents' basement. And the wood paneling in the back. Oh, yeah. There's a CRT television. I don't see Duck Hunt or an Atari <laughs> hooked up to it. Unfortunately not. But you've got, I remember this bike. It's like white. It's got the red wheels, the yellow seat. It's a four-wheeled bike, little uh, yes. streamers attached to the handlebars the coming streamers. out. So I think I think that Amazing. was really my first set of wheels that I could sit on and ride. You know, not a toy truck or something like that. Yeah. I think that was my first. Do you have a recollection of your first set of wheels? I don't know if I know my first, but I do have probably my youngest memory. And I would have been, I mean, gosh... It's preschool age for sure. And this is backed up by photos, although I didn't have a chance to go find them. And I don't know if I have them or if they're at my mom's house. But at one of my grandparents' house, I had a little red tricycle. Oh, yeah. It's like red. I think it had a white seat with the white handlebars. And I can remember riding that around. It was in their backyard, but I wasn't in the grass. You know, I was like on the little like patio or sidewalk. And I remember riding it around back there. That's the youngest I can think back to when I was like – on wheels. Ah, nice. Okay. That's awesome. I love it. Uh, what else you got? Because you created a nice timeline. I do, have, I do have a timeline here. You know, this one for me, and I, I, I want to ask you the same kind of question here, but I think, I wouldn't say I'm a gearhead. I, I don't know how to really work on cars, which is terrible. I kind of wish I did. I had a neighbor once who was a mechanic and everything I watched him do, because I'd just come and hang out and talk while he was working on vehicles at his house. It was like magic. I wish I knew how to be a gearhead. I'd love to do. I'm not that old. There's still time to learn. No, that's amazing. It's one of those skill sets that I feel like not as many people learn no. nowadays that they used to. And I, and I honestly, my dad was very handy, but I never like learned those skills from him. Right. And I kind of regret some of that. So not knowing how to work on vehicles, but when I take a step back and like look at my life today, I do like piloting a lot of different vehicles i've uh, you know motorcycles snowmobiles well, had, we gotta driven... save that for contemporary culture we'll get back to that we'll get back to that a lot of you know a lot of different cars heck i've i've flown a small cessna i love motored vehicles it's fun yeah, and i yeah. think it all goes back my my interest in motor vehicles uh i'm gonna go on a sidetrack here was my grandfather my maternal grandfather who i loved so 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 much would let me sit on his lap while he drove the riding lawnmower around his property. Uh, we talked about this in another episode, I feel like. Did we? Did we? Maybe I just summers. So. Maybe summers. Oh, no. Maybe you mentioned it in the preview when oh, I revealed the topic maybe. last week. Yeah, maybe yeah, that's yeah. what it was. I mean, I respected, loved him so much, trusted him so much. And, um, you know, it's not like he was working a farm. His family came from a farm. But, you know, it was a, it was a normal-sized property. He would ride this thing around. And it was so exciting because there was sort of like a sense of danger. You know, mm -hmm. you're on a machine with spinning blades underneath <laughs> you. It's insane. 
but it's also exciting because there's a real wheel, there's a real engine using gasoline, you're right at the steering wheel. And that was just amazing. My grandfather also had a, a Buick, which is like a big fat road boat, and the front seat was one bench. Oh, yeah. And he always let me sit right in the front center next to him. And it was like my job to look at the uh, dashboard and like shout out a report, what the radio was tuned to, what the interior temperature was. But I think just those summers getting to ride on the lawnmower with him really set a whole sort of mentality in my life of motorized vehicles. Absolutely. Do you have a senior, an elder, an ancestor in your family who uh, got you into some different rides? I can't pinpoint any one person. I just know that I was always fascinated by vehicles. Yeah. Whether they're motorized or not. Like I, when I was a very little kid, and I want to say this was like preschool age, there in our neighborhood where we lived, there was a kid who had the Cozy Coop, that little tight Cozy Coop. Sure, it's great. I wanted that thing so, so bad. And I think I got to sit in it and kind of ride it around very briefly one time. Ah. And I was so elated. But then it's like you come down off the high and I'm like, uh, uh, I want to ride this all day. I want it forever. <laughs> it was so much fun. Like, so, yeah, I mean, that's six years old or so probably. It just – it was so fascinating to me. And I was always curious about watching family members drive and how it worked. Like, yeah. If it was a gear shift, like you said, turning the wheel and what all the things did. And I remember as I got older, like I was allowed to shift. Like, you know, my mom was yeah. driving and I could like shift the gears and all that kind of stuff. And there's a lot more we'll get to. But um, that and then there was one house that we lived at and that particular stepdad, we lived on, in the country. And there was like three big things around my love of vehicles that kind of came up. Okay. So the first one was is, you know, I liked vehicles. I liked cars. This, I was about fourth grade at this time. And so he converted a lawnmower. He took the blade part off. So it's basically like a go-kart. And so he did that for me, and then I got to drive it around. It's kind of like you said. You know, you got the wheel. You got to shift it into the different gears. And I could drive that around everywhere. That was super freaking cool. That's very cool. He also – this is crazy. This is how much I love cars, everybody. He found an old driving simulator. That's like the steering wheel, the gear shift. There's an we were automatic talking about and a manual. Hunt, like the little red box with the black screen. Like it's a – No, this is a full size. This is what people used to learn to drive actual cars on, driving simulator. Oh, what? This is like a full version of that. He found one of those for me and brought it to our house and it was like out in this – Huge barn that we had, and I could go out there and pretend I was driving cars and doing car chases and everything. It looked like a real car because it was a simulator for people to learn how to drive. Where do you just find something like that? I have no idea. Just in a box on the side of the road with kittens in it too? What is that? I'm pretty sure I came home from school one day and he had somehow procured this thing. That's very I don't know, cool. some sort of estate sale or a whatever. I don't know. Good for him. Um, so there was that. And then the last one is he had this beat up old Ford Fairmont, I think it was. Hmm. He called it the beater. That's what we all called that of car. Because it was junky. It was a, a jalopy. And it, it had no reverse. <laughs> reverse was gone on it. It had no reverse? But I actually got to drive that car around our property. So like- So like- Fifth grade, I was driving a car, not on a street, everybody. I wasn't on a road. We were on our private property, Whoa. but I was getting to drive it around everywhere. It was so cool. 
So in Flight of the Navigator, you told us that you stole from a store now, and now you're driving underage. In Reading Rainbow, I stole books and returned them. Oh, in right, Reading Rainbow, you returned Temporary them. theft. Oh, my. I did not, yeah. Temporary theft. Unknown borrowing, I guess is what they call that. It was a long-term borrow. I returned everything. So that was that was super cool. I love that. And then just another thing, when I was visiting my grandparents down in Florida, they were big into golfing, and I got to drive the golf cart, even though I was way too young and I shouldn't have been doing it. Okay, you're fast-forwarding contemporary culture, but my argument is that the golf cart is the grown-up's power wheels. I mean, I know it's the amazing. Gr- I know the grown-up's power wheels is like a real car. I get it. I get it. Calm down. But I mean, like a battery-powered vehicle yes. that doesn't go very fast. It's a go. It's a, it's but it a has some cart. get up and go. It has some it get totally up and go. It does. Yeah, absolutely. That are like the off-roading versions that, like, I don't know, John Deere, Gators. whoever make, like, Gators. yeah, yeah. That's the real deal. But a golf cart's a lot of fun. No, totally. I drove Gators a bunch uh, when I worked at summer camps. Those things are oh, those yeah. things are beasts. Those things are awesome. They get up and go. You know, speaking of Florida, I want to ask you about this. Speaking of Florida, so my family in the summer, we, I, we've mentioned this several times on the podcast, we used to vacation at Myrtle Beach. And yes, Myrtle Beach has the beach, but it also has 10,000 surf shops that all have the same towels and knickknacks and shells. Uh, but it also has a lot of putt-putt and a lot of like little carnival places to go as a family yeah and i'm going to be really clear ben knows that myrtle beach is not in florida everybody southeast is what because <laughs> you know myrtle beach it's right next You're to like day- speaking of florida myrtle beach speaking no, of like, florida, uh... it's right next to daytona um, <laughs> myrtle beach. it's right next to panama city uh so at these little mini theme parks along the coast when i was going back through my photos from the 80s i all the time did these two different things go-karts 100 oh, yeah go-karts were awesome Yep. And I do have this memory of being at a go-kart, <laughs> being at a go-kart track and like wiping out, missing the turn and going right through hail barrels. Oh. And they had to like, red lights went on and people came out and got me. I had my big Spaceballs helmet on, so I was just fine. But like, I remember wiping out it. That was great. But then like, there's so many different rides at different theme parks where it's like different types of cars that are just on a track. Either it's, yep. like, the, it's like the old timey cars that go on a metal track around a, a nice garden. At King's Island. King's Island has one. Absolutely. Or even simpler for little kids, it's just like a carousel, but they're cars you sit in. It just goes in a circle. I would even say bumper cars, right? Totally bumper cars. You get to drive. They're not on wheels, technically, but you know. you spend your whole life being told not to crash into anything, and bumper cars, you finally, it's like smash everything. It's great. And they're like, no, that is your sole purpose. (laughs) That is why you I know that's not like, I know you set this up with bikes and tricycles and that kind of thing. I know this is not over home plate, but these were like wheels of my summers that were very integral growing up. The third thing is ambient, and this is the ambient because yeah. absolutely, I think all of this, you know, and we're going to talk about like the psychological value of this kind of exploration and oh, being yeah. outdoors and getting to try things and, you know, developmentally and socially and all that kind of the stuff, like why that's important. And that all definitely feeds into it. And sure, the US has a, a big car culture here. You know, I think some of that feeds culturally into how the U.S. is constructed, right? It's it's roads, yeah. it's the the car. And, you know, we talked a little bit about that on our episode on um, summer vacation, right? But, you know, bicycle culture is worldwide. That's a huge thing. And just, you know, this idea of mobility, of getting out, of seeing something new is like, it's essential, really. Oh, it's yeah. like a huge part of our just existence as, you know, people on this world. And so 
No, I love all that stuff because that definitely fits within that. Like you couldn't jump into a car and drive it. Kids don't do this at home. But at Kings Island, you could do it. It was amazing. It was awesome. Drive those little cars on the track. And, you know, it was so much fun. And you felt like I had some control. I'm doing, I get to do an adult thing as a kid. And it's like an adult sized car too. It is so cool. It was great. Well, let's shift gears a little bit and talk about, that's my one allowed dad joke. Okay. So (laughs) we get one, we get one free pass. We're almost to the red. We're in the orange. So close. I do want to talk a little bit. Let's go back. And you were kind of talking about through the years. And so developmentally, I think like for a lot of kids, tricycles are one of the first things you get. I feel like after that, developmentally, you get a big wheel. Yeah. That big wheel seems to come next. It's like that middle ground before you're ready for a bicycle. Yeah. You know, and you're ready to balance on, oh gosh, it took me forever to learn to ride a bike. Like way too long, everybody. I had training wheels forever. I was such a late bloomer in so many ways, but I did not learn to ride a bike (laughs) for the longest time. Fascinating. Okay. What about you? Did you learn to ride a bike pretty early? Yes. Okay. But the big wheel was like that middle ground for a lot of kids. And big wheels, let me just say, all of our listeners that chimed in had one. I even asked on our Insta poll today, I said, hey, wait a minute. Got a question for you. Choose your ride, everybody. Big wheel or power wheels? Ooh. Oh, come on. All right. So that's okay. the question here. And I'm thinking everyone had and loved a big wheel, but everyone wanted a power wheels, right? Of course. So I was like, so where do you think our poll landed percentage wise between big wheel or power wheels? Choose your ride. I'm going to go like 80, 20 power wheels. Power wheels? Yeah. They, they want the, the sweet ride. So you got the percentage basically correct, but it was the opposite. What? You guys would People? rather have big wheels than power wheels? It was 78 to 22% big wheel was what people wanted. So, Are you guys drunk on Slimer High C Cooler? What are you even doing right now? So here's what I think it is. Break it down for me. Everyone has a sweet memory with big wheels. If you rode one, you know how cool it was. Again, you're inches off the ground. You're in complete control. Sure. You got those big chunky tires. You could drift. You could spin you out. You could drift. They're basically designed for that. You had that handbrake where you could pull the handbrake and again, do your like crazy tricks I and stuff. I forgot about the handbrake. That's awesome. Remember the back part of the seat was adjustable. So if you're a younger kid, you could ride your older siblings. Oh, big yeah. wheel. You just move the seat thing up and you could reach the pedals. And they had small ones and they had big ones and they had different themed ones. You found a funny themed one. Oh my God. I found a Rambo big wheel that has like a <laughs> machine gun mounted on the handlebars with like an ammo case on the back. It looks yeah. freaking awesome. And there's a kid in it. He's got the red bandana. It's actually a sweatband, but he's got like the red sweatband on and he's living his best life. No, he is, he's just he's out an there. animal. I love it. Becoming Rambo. Yeah. And I remember one that was a Cabbage Patch one. And I actually oh, found really? I found a, um, a photo of those when I was doing some of my research. But it's another one. Like Big Wheel had a lot of different like themed with different, you know, toy types. Again, you know, oh, Cabbage Patch or maybe sure. let's look it up. Maybe there was that Oreo one. Maybe I didn't make it oh up. My maybe God. it's a, a lost imagine? memory. But I can just remember having so many cool memories of riding Big Wheels. I remember this one time. I was at one of my other grandparents' house. And I was riding a big wheel out front, and there's a kid across the street on a big wheel. Okay. 
We weren't allowed, well, I don't know about him. I wasn't allowed to cross the street. I could play out front, but I had to stay on the sidewalk. I had to stay on our side of the street. That was it. And so that kid and I would race big wheels and it was so much fun. That's awesome. And I think he had like a cooler version that had like the handbrake and everything. And I don't think mine had the handbrake, but it was also, it's kind of like the fixed gear bicycles, which most kids had, which is if the wheel's moving, the pedals are moving. Right, of course. So there's no coasting like in a, you know, a 10 speed or whatever. But what was so cool about that is the responsiveness. When you pushed back on that pedal, you had the brakes, oh, right? Wait. Yeah, right. And so that was like just – it was a very like tactile, responsive way of riding a bike that you just can't emulate when you've got like the hand brakes on an adult or modern bike. And so I just thought that was such a cool thing. They were garbage though. They <laughs> – as we mentioned, they could fall apart so easily. Do you remember some of the ways in which a big wheel would disassemble itself over time? Well, there are two things that I always remember a problem with the big wheels. Yeah. One is that like the big wheel in the front after riding on hard, crumbly asphalt all summer would get smooth as glass. So you yes. have like no traction. It would just wear down the plastic. Who remembers just spinning out on that thing? Or you spin. <laughs> you're pedaling yep. as hard oh, yeah. as you can. It looks like a it looks like an old Acme cartoon, like an old Looney Tunes. Yeah. Like you're pedaling and going nowhere. Yeah, and exactly. Then, I don't exactly know how, but the fork, I think it's the fork that would hold the big wheel in place, would somehow like it bent to one side or the other. So the big wheel would lay too much to one side or the other. Oh. And it would like be really hard to turn the bike or you would have to like, you'd be pointing the handlebars at 11 o'clock to go 12 o'clock. <laughs> like, oh, interesting. That's what I recall. That I don't remember, but that's wild. So you could lose the seat back and yeah, suddenly you had that would like- come right off. You're just kind of like free flying out there. But the one I remember the most is that the front wheel would crack or split. So you're definitely right. Oh, it would sure. lose its traction from all of your wild rides. But then it would like crack and then like rocks would get into it. And it just it, – I think the front wheel was the thing that was like the most um, – even though it's the most iconic, it's what it's named after. Big wheel. Yeah. It was also the thing that was the point of failure. <laughs> I have but one memory on a big wheel. My neighbor, who had all the cool vehicles, which he also had a power wheel, which I didn't get to ride. He had very cool. Yeah. But he had a big wheel. His name was Blake, and he had an older sister, MJ. And it was one summer, and I lived at the very top of a very big hill that ended in a cul-de-sac. Oh. And it was summer, and they- Wait, the cul-de-sac is at the bottom or the top of the At the, of the bottom hill? of the super steep hill. Okay. All and right. And so we're, we're daring each other to go down the hill- on the big wheel. Oh my gosh. And there's no cars coming, you know, <laughs> your kids, you're, wa you're watching out for cars for each other. And I take the bait. I'm like, I'll do it. No helmet, no mm -mm. elbow pads, no mm -mm. knee pads, shorts. It's the eighties. What are you talking about? Pure child skin Safety? exposed to the asphalt. And so I go ripping down this hill and it immediately starts going bonkers fast. And the pedals are going so fast. There's no way you could make contact with your feet. It's a blur. It's a, Colorless blur. Yeah, yeah. And at the bottom, the curb, it's not like a perfect 90-degree angle curb. It's more like a curved ramp. Almost. <laughs> They're curved. And I hit this thing going 88 miles an hour. A flame shoot out, and now I'm here. No, I, I hit this thing, and I remember seeing the sky. Like, I think the bike went for the, – the big wheel went vertical, hitting the ramp. 
and I came straight down on my back. And I think it's the only time I've been knocked out in my oh. life. Because the next thing I remember, Blake and MJ are standing over me like, are you okay? That was amazing. That was awesome. Oh, my God. And I walked away without a scratch. But, like, I think it's the only time I got knocked out. It was pretty wow. crazy. It was a little scary. I'm not going to lie. But don't you wish you had that, like, sponginess that kids do where it's like – Oh, my God. Can you They imagine? can just, like, contort their bodies, crash and spin out, and they're no worse for wear. I mean, they might cry a little bit. They might get a scrape, but they're like, do do We were 100% cartilage and bubble gum. That's all we were. We'd be in a hospital today. I was going to say, if you did that now, you'd be in a full-body cast. For sure, 100%. <laughs> 100%. I think the big wheel to me, if you had to say that there's something that is quintessential 80s kids – ride. I think no doubt it's the big wheel. I think a close second is Power Wheels, but I think big wheel wins out because it was so affordable. It was so ubiquitous. It was out there. Everybody had one. Everybody knew someone who had one. It was just the fact that it was made to do cool tricks and it was relatively safe for what it was. Yeah, 100%. So after the big wheel, I think for a lot of kids, it's like, okay, now it's time to you know get your training wheels. You're going to start riding a bike. It's time to yeah. go two wheels, man. It's yeah. time to go. You regress a little bit. You go back to four wheels to get to two wheels. Very briefly, <laughs> yeah. And then you get your balance down. Yeah, I've got I've got some uh, cute little little Ben pictures with my training wheels going on. Again, it's I feel like the training wheels are a very brief moment because you get the balance down pretty fast, and then it's then it's game on. Unless you're me, right? And then so how are your classes going these days? Like, do you, are you feeling like you're getting it down? Are you trying to figure it out? Nearly nailed it, man. I am so. Almost I feel like there. you're so close. You're really, so close. You're almost there. No, it is funny. Like, it, I, it was a very delayed development. But then, like, once I started trying, I got it pretty quickly. Good. I don't know what the resistance was. I just, I couldn't pick it up. And then suddenly I did. It's, you know, I, I don't think it's uncommon. So of the impact crater of what we're talking about with this topic tonight, I feel like we've moved from the outer ring to where the meteorite is now sitting in the soil. We're on bikes. How do you want to break this down? How do you want to talk about oh my goodness. bicycles in childhood in the 80s? Well, We've been talking a lot about our own experiences. Let's kind of take it a little bit to a bigger picture and just like what are what are some ways that bicycles show up in pop culture from the 80s? Yeah, totally. Maybe we can just do a round robin. What are some things that you found or came to your mind? Well, I mean, the most iconic one for me is E.T. the Extraterrestrial. I mean, I mean it's, it's the cover of the movie. It's the movie yeah. poster, Elliot and E.T. E.T. sitting in the basket on the front of his bike, and they are silhouetted against the moon as they go to call E.T.'s family and bring them back. I mean, that is – it becomes the logo of Amblin, of, of Steven Spielberg. So, That's true. Uh, I, think, I think that is like one of the most iconic – 80s pop culture bicycling with your friends. Steven Spielberg, we also covered earlier this season. Oh, there's going to be so there's more self-referencing to come. But we got absolutely we got and then of course there's the uh the really the great scene of the bike chase where the the government so suits good. are like, you know, coming after them and they're, you know, zipping through the neighborhood and all that. Like, yeah, absolutely. Another one that comes to mind for me, Pee-wee's Big adventure. Oh <laughs> Do you remember that, that beautiful bike, that red bike, that cherry apple, like, oh, that bike is yeah, great. Yeah, that like ridiculous red bike that is from probably the 50s or 60s, I'm going to guess. Like, it's just, yeah, it looked amazing. And it may not even be a real bike. It may have been one that they sort of like fused actual things together to make it, you know, it's kind of like the uh, car in 
National Lampoon's Vacation. That's not a real car. They like make a Frankenstein's monster car with like woody paneling and like eight headlights or something ridiculous. (laughs) It's almost like that version is this bike. But it was, I mean, obviously the MacGuffin of the whole story is Pee Wee. It's his favorite thing and he loses this bike. And, you know, as a kid, I, I don't know. There was just something appealing about this boy at heart, man child never grew up, who's basically his whole life is just a bunch of toys. And like, as a kid, you were like, there's no greater thing than to be a, someone like this who could like have a giant, you know, playground as their home. The other thing I feel like as a kid, when I was riding my bicycle, it was rare. It was 50, 50. Sometimes I was, I was a present child. Hello brain. I am on a bicycle riding this bicycle. Yeah. Otherwise, I was pretending the bicycle was some other vehicle. Oh, yes. And very commonly, that was a motorcycle. Oh, okay. And so I think of Tom Cruise in Top Gun racing the jets on his motorcycle. Oh, I yeah. think of, uh, and there's not really a kid's movie, but Easy Rider is like a big motorcycle mm-hmm. movie from mm-hmm. that time. If your parents let you watch this in the 80s and you were under 10, you had bad parents. But there's Akira. Akira is like one of the coolest sport motorcycles ever coming out of anime. Mm-hmm. And that, that's like an iconic motorcycle of 80s pop culture. So I think, yeah, I think like I was just trying to think of like motorcycles I was presenting to be on on my bicycle as a kid. Those are the ones. The whole idea of like it wasn't just you riding a bike and going somewhere to have an adventure. Sometimes the bike was the thing. You were yeah. you know, emulating a car chase or yeah, like a scene from your favorite movie or show or whatever. Like Dukes of Hazard. I'm going to go out there yeah. and – You know, oh, your friends are like, you know, Roscoe and they're going to be coming after you and you got to do all these crazy tricks and jump around. Yeah. The the Batmobile bicycle or whatever. Like you're riding around. Absolutely. Well, speaking of motorcycles, this is a little bit of a cheat, but do you remember the game Excite Bike? A thousand percent. I mean, this was a game... Granted, it was like motorcycles, kind of like dirt bike, you know, you're you're running through this obstacle course. But the cool thing about that game is you could build your own. So it was almost like when you were allowed to be inside and you weren't riding your actual bike, you could be playing Excite Bike and come up with right. all sorts of crazy stunts and courses. It was a lot of fun. You know, I'm so glad you touched on this because I feel like historically you've told me one of your favorite NES games was Paperboy. Yep. That's on, on my list. you ride a bicycle. You sure do. That's on my list, man. Paperboy. I mean, I know we're talking about mom kicked us outside. We're not supposed to be inside playing video games. But just like yeah. when we went back and you're like, I didn't get enough biking. I need more biking. Tell, tell us about you playing Paperboy. I just remember, you know, playing it on the Nintendo Entertainment System. There was an arcade version. Later, right. there was a sequel on Super Nintendo. But yeah, you're basically riding down the street, avoiding obstacles, cars, dogs running out and chasing you, remote control cars trying to trip you up. People on the sidewalk, kids running around and skipping and all this kind of stuff. And you're trying to just basically throw a newspaper into someone's mailbox or doorstep and not break their windows. And it's a ridiculous game and it's stupidly hard in retrospect. Unacceptable by today's game standards, but it was a lot of fun back then. Love Paperboy. Was it the thrill of riding a bicycle in the game or like did you like just delivering newspapers? Where where did your thrill come? Did you want to be a newsie as a kid growing up? Is that where this comes from? I think it was just one of those things where it's like there wasn't a game like that before and you're like, oh, this is cool. Like I never Mm. had a paper route as a kid, but it's like there was just something about it that seemed interesting. You got to ride your bike and the neighborhood was alive and you had to, you know, thread the needle, make your way through this crazy obstacle course and – do a job. I don't know. It was fun. I love it. No, it's a good call out. 
Yeah, so that's a that's a great uh, catch there. Also, Goonies has a pretty. It's short. It's not a centerpiece of this movie by any stretch, but there is a a fun little bike scene. And one of the most hilarious is when Josh Brolin steals the little girl's bicycle. Oh my god! It's training wheels because like his bike has a flat. He just grabs it from this little girl. It's got like the basket and big and stuff. Oh my god! That's because he's like a teenager in that movie. He's on this little yeah five-year-old's bike that was hilarious so that's super great. good call because again an iconic movie big has a little bit of a bike scene where i was adult wondering Josh about big rides back to try to get to that fair so he can revert oh, back to his normal self yeah. also covered that in season one of this podcast goodness what a great episode go back to that one there's a few other movies i didn't see these but they were showing up on lists that i found there's american sure. flyers quicksilver which is a kevin bacon movie and mm. bmx bandits of course, it's in BMX Bandits. There's a few others out there. I haven't seen those movies, but I guess they show up. I might have been just a little bit young for these, but I think there's one more I need to talk about. And I don't know if it's the same one on your list or not, Ben. I think I've gotten all the major ones that I could think of. Okay. Out. What's the big cliffhanger? What do you guys getting ready for? So, I mean, we have to go back to BMX, Bicycle Motocross, for okay. the most ridiculous movie. Oh, no. Oh, God. Rad. Do you know the movie Rad? I mean, it's how we sign our emails, but I don't know the movie. (laughs) It's this movie that's kind of a love story. It's almost like the Karate Kid of BMX uh, racing. Stop it. I need this movie. It's not a good movie, but it's one of those where like the critics hate it and people who love it freaking love it. Like it's just, it's so quintessential 80s. It's got all of those like power ballad montage scenes like oh my you know big God. hair bands yes. screaming at you while people are you know jumping through these obstacle I courses and like dirt ramps and all this kind of wild stuff and my brother loved rad i swear Did he really between like when we got home from school and when like our parents got home i swear we would watch that practically every day of the week it felt like <laughs> rad wow because he was really into bmx like i think he had a bmx bike and everything but oh my gosh yeah so i mean i know we probably missed a lot but those are some of the things that are like front and center that really just highlighted kids on bikes having adventures in pop culture in the 80s i love the specificity of that kids on bikes having adventures in the 80s it's good any kind of like standout memories of bikes, bike rides, races, cool things that you and your friends did in the 80s? So I think there's some cultural things I think is really interesting about bikes, and I don't know if it's still the same or not. There was a time before the internet and before cell phones that you didn't know where your friends were at any given moment. And the way you found your friends, besides calling around on the phone is you'd ride your bike around the neighborhood and look for the pile of bikes in someone's front yard. <laughs> and that's where you found your friends. And you'd drive up, you'd throw your so bike true. in the pile, you'd run up, ring the doorbell, and, there, and whatever parental unit or babysitter was there, be like, yeah, they're in the basement, go on down. You'd run down, da 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 Or sometimes you could just run into their house. Like, sometimes you didn't even have to knock. Like, if it was that one family, you could just run right into their house like you own the joint. So, like, that that was a cultural thing I wonder if still happens. I love that so much. Yeah. I think another thing that was really big, this is later on. You probably haven't hit this right now in your adult bicycle riding course. This is more of an advanced <laughs> maneuver. But trying to do no hands, riding mm. no hands. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How far could you go? Could you get it going? How fast yeah. were you going when you did it? Yeah. Did you ever decorate a bike for an event? No. I remember... 
decorations that came on the bike and i think they were partly functional sure. like do you remember that little foam thing that would go over the thousand percent like that middle bar is that there if you slam on the brakes you don't break your nose on your handlebar why was that or, thing there? i think it was there to kind of cushion you know bust in certain body parts on that uh Ooh. on that bar oh that's i thought you meant on the handlebar yeah well, I know there was that one about. too so there's two there yeah there's the one on the kind of main frame and then there's the one on the uh yeah between the handlebars and I think they were both just as, yeah, a little bit of cushion in case you uh, had a little accident. Bit of a safety precaution. I know. I like it. I like it. Yeah, but I never really decorated it for anything. I remember, I think my brother put pegs on one of his bikes sure. so he could do tricks. I mean, that was big for me as a kid, whether it was like you had Memorial Day going on or Fourth of July oh. of like there'd be like a bike decorating party at someone's house. And hmm. you would have like tissue paper and streamers and like colored tape and you would like get your bike all ready for the parade and then there'd be the parade that you got to like ride your bike in. That was a big thing in my neighborhood. Oh, I've never heard of that. Huh. It was quite delightful. It was, it was, it was, it was sweet. I think the other thing too is um, just tricking out your bike with, obviously there were like actual things like the pegs and stuff like that. Sure. But then you could also get like some people put like playing cards in the spokes. Oh, right. or, <laughs> yeah. 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 Make it sound sure. like it had a motor on it or something for like that. Sure. Yeah. So I remember doing stuff like that. Did you have that dangerous friend that your parents really didn't like that you hung out with them? And he often had a cinder block and a piece of plywood and said, let's go do some sweet jumps with our bikes. I feel like my brother got more into some of that stuff than I did. I was a pretty rule following kid. Yeah. And I didn't have any, f I don't remember having any friends, at least earlier on, that were like too rule breaky rambunctious. Yeah. They were a lot more like me, so no. But I have a feeling you were that kid for somebody else's <laughs> I probably child. Was. I probably was. Hundred percent. No, Little it was that. Was out there like, hey, got a, got a couple cinder blocks over here. And it was, it was that. And what what I'm sure a lot of parents hated was basically like trying to like ice your friends. So you know, like when you're yeah. playing hockey or ice skating, and you like like come to a stop, and the ice showers forward. Yeah, kind of. Yep. So you you do that with your your bicycle, your mountain bike. You'd you'd be you'd be riding at your friends or riding somewhere, and you'd slam on the rear brake. Your foot in the direction you want to slide your back wheel is down, and you're trying to skid your back tire out from the side and leave like a black streak. Mm. I'm sure we ruined a lot of people's like sidewalks in front of their houses, driveways. Right. Parents were probably livid, but we thought that was the coolest thing you could do on a bike is like get that skid going. Yeah, absolutely. I think the big thing that we did were like races. Like I know like my cousins and I, we would do this at their place. Like they live by this church and it was kind of like this hill. And so we could get up momentum. And then at a certain point when we hit this part, we all just had to coast and see who could go the farthest. Oh, nice. And it was kind of like a mix of like we had different bikes. I think one of them was a scooter, you know, and stuff like that. And we'd I just remember doing fun stuff like that with racing. And then um, another big one that I remember, this is when I was younger. My brother and his friend would ride their bike up to Lawn John Silvers. Oh my God, Lawn John summer. Silvers. So like parents are at work in the summer and we ride our bike up there because they could go through the drive-thru and get what were called like crunchies. And it was basically like the batter left over from the fryer. Oh so my it's just God. like batter crunchies, but you could order it and I think it was free. So they would actually, I remember one time we went through the drive-thru on bikes <laughs> To order crunchies. No. But I was really young, so I sat on the middle beam with my legs tucked up 
I wasn't on the handlebars. Oh my God. Okay. I was more like on the beam straddling that. I think I was holding on to the middle of the handlebars while my brother rode up there. I remember doing that. The wild stuff that we did. (laughs) As you can imagine, with my severe shellfish allergies, I spent as much time as Long John Silver's as I did at Red Lobster. You know, yeah, I was really which is to say never. My my punch card was full every yeah. every all the time. Oh my god. Do you want to transition into the class of 80 high? Yeah, so let's head over to the class of 80s high to talk about favorite memories of cruising around in the summertime as a kid. So let's start with Bikelis Smith. Oh man, when I was 9, there was a small golf course a couple miles from my house redoing several holes on the back of their course which meant there were massive hills of dirt that we BMXed on all oh, summer. Oh, that's, that's awesome. Amazing. This almost reminds me of like Caddyshack, of like kids back there, like that the old guys running out like, what are you doing out here? Get right, off of exactly. my golf course. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Eat that's it all, amazing. Man. Also, not so much cruising around, but my brother and I invented something we called speed wagoning, which involved <laughs> cool runnings inspired misadventures where we would hurdle ourselves in a red wagon. I'm going to assume this is a radio flyer. It's got to be. Down the hill next to our grandparents' house and try to navigate into the parking lot by the fire station using the upturned handle, which of course meant steering backwards. This sounds... That's awesome. Like murder on wheels. I love this. Michael says, just thinking about it now makes me feel like I should not have 10 fingers in a college degree. Oh my God, that's so good. (laughs) That's so good. That sounds like so much fun. Inventing... Games because you were bored right. and interested. I, I do want to take a quick pause here because this reminds me of a game. When I would go to my dad's house after my parents had divorced, uh, my dad and stepmother, same thing. I would go visit on every other weekend, and it was basically like, nice day. You can't be here. Get out of the house. You can't yeah. be in here playing Nintendo. Yeah. Go, go, go. And I had to make friends with random kids in the neighborhood I did not know, I did not go to school with. Interesting. And one of the things we did, because again, we're just trying to pass the time, is we're like, oh, let's create this thing as someone's driving by. We'll create this scenario where someone's riding a bike, we'll act like we punch you, and you'll launch off of your bike and like fall into the yard. And so we just did this whole fake out scenario whenever anyone was driving down the street. Okay, go now, go now. Ride the bike, ride the bike. Pretend to punch and just jump off, like launch yourself off the bike into the yard and some like fantastical crash out. It was <laughs> so ridiculous. You know, I feel like that concept is more common than you think. Like in a smaller neighborhood <laughs> where it's not a highway where, where drivers have to drive slowly, yeah. trying to psych out adults driving by in cars was like yeah. definitely a pastime. Oh, man. Uh, what else do our listeners have to say? So classmate Greg says, and I think he speaks for all of us, we went Mm. everywhere on our bikes. Cruising around the forest preserve near our house to the golf club to Caddy. Oh, that's fun. He's he's got his own little Caddy Shack story going on there in the 80s. Well, another golf course. Another golf course. Um, But I mean, it really was, I mean, we'll get into it at the end of chemistry, but I mean, just getting to go everywhere on the bicycle. Yeah, that sense of freedom was just absolutely amazing. Classmate Allison says, I was always seeking out the best hills in our neighborhood to coast down. Does not specify at the end of a cul-de-sac, but going as fast as possible, wind in my hair, not a care in the world. We also had woods all around, so riding out to the paths where various forts and other hangouts were was a big part of the day. Absolutely. Who did not love blasting down a hill full speed? Like you said, there's a little bit of danger It's a quiet street, but there could be a car. You just don't know. 
And the whole idea of going out in forts. We talked about childhood forts. Oh, yeah. One of our early episodes of season one. But yeah, like all of that is amazing. Like getting to go out and venture off-road as well. Uh, so much fun. Love that. The absolute best. We also asked a related question, which is where did you go when you set off on your favorite set of wheels? We've heard about a few of those places. Apparently golf courses were the happening spot I didn't know about. Were you hanging out at golf courses, Ben? <laughs> I, That's where all the action was. It wasn't until high school. We would go to the park okay. nearby and mess around. <laughs> but uh, no, not at this age. Oh, man. So we asked, hey, where did you go? So some popular spots down the block, all around the neighborhood, friends and relatives' houses. I think we've covered all of this stuff. These were huge. Like, it was just a way to to get to see people. You didn't have to have your parents drive you there. It's more like, hey, can I go to, you know, Jim's house? Yeah, okay. Be back before the streetlights come on. You know, that kind of a thing. Yeah, and you could just yeah. set off on your own. But also some other cool spots. Hobby shop, downtown. Everywhere, this is one of my favorites. Everywhere I was allowed to go, not allowed to go. Not allowed to go. I had my trusty steed. The bike. I had That's my amazing. trusty steed. You yeah. know, there's there's one here too, which you kind of brought up is the woods. And yes. That's a popular answer here too. Woods. We talked yeah. about tree houses, tree forts. That was a big common spot for us to go on our bikes because our neighborhood on one side, dangerous fifty mile per hour highway, but the other side of the neighborhood was seemingly to us endless forest. We would build all manner of forts back there out of woods and whatever we could find. But you always knew we, the kids, were in the forest because there'd be a pile of bikes right by this like common entry spot that you could get in there. And that was, God, I spent most of my summers playing around in the woods there, messing around in the creek and everything. Absolutely. Yeah, we would ride out back to um, when I lived in the country, that place I mentioned, there was a small river like toward the back of the property. And just riding back there, again, feeling like you could be on some like outdoor adventure, I'm going on an excursion, we're going on a yeah. you know a, a hunt or a chase or whatever you wanted it to be. And then my friend Corey, who was on our Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles episode, that's where I met him. He lived out in the country too. And going to his house, it was like all country roads. So we could ride all oh, over cool. the place. And that's it was just awesome. like, there was like an old bridge that you couldn't drive on, but we could ride our bikes on it and just like all cool stuff like that. All the outdoor adventures. It's so awesome to see other people having those experiences as well. Love it. Okay, that was so great to just hear all of that. I'm so excited. Ben, what else do you got? Well, I feel like we've been dancing around it, but I just want to like put it out there on the table. We'll revisit this in math class again. But like, what did it mean to have all these wheels as a kid? I think that's a major development moment in your life because you've probably, you know, growing up, you were you were allowed to maybe walk to a friend's house when you were a little kid. The first time your parents weren't watching you, maybe you were at preschool or you had a babysitter when you were really little. But to be allowed to leave your home on your own terms <laughs> and walk away, that was a big step. But wheels enabled you to be really far from home very quickly. Yeah. And I think that's a major step in, in childhood development. It's definitely, it feels like a rite of passage, right? Like it's, and, and it, it wasn't like you turned an age, you got a set of wheels and your parents were like, have at it, go as far as you want, right? Sure, like it was right, always right, like right. a there growing, yeah. yeah, there's like a growing radius with which you could explore. Like I said, when I was really young on those power wheels, I could stay in the front, on the sidewalk, on yeah. our side of the street, you know, and that eventually expanded as I got older and I built trust and it was such a cool thing for a parent to be able to say, okay, you're now ready 
You can yeah. ride your bike to your cousin's house where I have to go by a major street and I'm by a shopping center. Call me when you get there. You know, that kind of a thing. It felt really liberating and exciting and empowering. And I want that kind of experience for kids. And I don't know if they're still getting it or getting it in the same way like we did back then, because it was just such a, I think you're absolutely right. As part of like becoming a teenager and then an adult, it felt like that rite of passage growing up and becoming this person who could go out, explore, problem solve. Cause you'd get into a jam. It wasn't always fun, right? Yeah, your chain would fall off your bike. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta get what, that what, back what was, on. What was the trick? You had to, you said, turn it upside down. And yeah, you got to set it upside down. Then you kind of, you get grease all over your fingers trying yeah. to realign the chain <laughs> on the on the gear for sure. Yeah, you injure yourself. You know, oh, maybe yeah. you have a run in with somebody. Like you had to kind of figure stuff out, and it was scary, but also like. Which to not. be clear, the, the the problem solving with injuring yourself was how to not get your parents to find out. That I was mean, the problem solving with injury. To the yourself. best extent possible, can I hide this injury? Yeah, right. You're like limping home, <laughs> bleeding out of your ears. <laughs> I couldn't have said any of that better. The only other part I would add is, is it just adds a whole other world of play, too. A whole bigger yeah. world of play you never had as a kid. Now you've got, you can pretend you're on a horse or you're yeah. on a vehicle that you love. You're racing with your friends. You're going off jumps like. A, there's the your world getting bigger and that trust and that that agency you talked about, but also this idea of it just opens your creative play yeah. uh, so much more what you can do, and I think that's huge for all these things. But again, bicycles are are the nugget. Bikes are at the heart of all the wheels we're talking about in the eighties. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember like Corey and I, we always did a bunch of superhero stuff and like the car was like your vehicle to get to where the bad guys were to like, you know, stop their plan and you're making it up as you go. And like all that kind of stuff is so cool. And I think you're absolutely right. While the big wheels and power wheels feel like they are 80s, like yeah. synonymous with the 80s, bikes are timeless. Yeah. They're really the thing that transcends and I think are... I mean, I'll say it, a big wheel and a power wheels, they're very limited and I'm maybe gimmicky, but you outgrow big wheels pretty quickly. But a bike is forever and you're, all you're going to do is like get a, the next one. Okay, well, yeah. my little, you know, one speed bike's no longer sufficient. I'm going to get a 10 speed. I'm going to get a this. And it's something that's pervasive. It's just a part of of living versus like a cool thing I remember from that time when I was six years old. A thousand percent. You know, we briefly mentioned Power Wheels and how it lost out big time on our Insta poll <laughs> in terms of which ride yeah. someone would choose. Speaking of a gimmick, I, I do kind of feel like Power Wheels was that thing. Like it looked cool. It felt cool because it was motorized. Yeah. But also like it was something that was hard to attain. And I think when people had them, like they weren't always the greatest. Like they didn't quite perform like they did in the Pow no. Pow Power Wheels commercial right. where shows it driving like over mountains. Yeah, and you're like through the mud, and like they're kind of a little junkier than that. Like if yeah. if you're riding around in your basement or on the sidewalk or you know on pavement or something, I think they were just fine. But it's probably one of those things that wasn't quite as cool. And it's like if you're used to like go karts or those rides at the amusement park or something. It's like not as cool. It's not as great. But I do think there was something interesting uh, about those that I feel like most people's association with it was the allure more than it was well, the of course. actually having and enjoying it the was thing. The, it was the Ferrari of wheeled vehicles for kids. It was just <laughs> cool to covet, but you know, very few people had it. 
Yeah, for sure. So I just want to make sure like power wheels were such a big deal, but also like, you know, when we're talking about memories, it didn't loom the largest, uh, but yeah. we couldn't get out of chemistry without giving it its, uh, it's fair shake. It's fair shake. Thank you. Yes. Okay. Uh, clearly if I'm losing my words, it's because I'm starving all this pedaling, rolling, spinning out and drifting. Ben, we're finally allowed to go back inside briefly for lunch. And you'll be delighted to know there's a Kroger brand of ice cream sandwiches called Big Wheels. What? And like the packaging, it looks like an old Big Wheel tricycle, and but it's the ice cream sandwiches. I'm going to pick up like three of them. I'll pick up three of them. That seems appropriate. And then we'll meet back in contemporary culture to talk about what comes after the 80s. wheels are something else. Fat enough to take turns at full speed. Slick enough so when you jam on the brakes, you spin. Spin! Big Wheel with handbrake and fat wheels in back. Some assembly required. Big Wheel by Marks. Power Wheels Raider, Power Wheels High Rider, Power Wheels Classic Convertible, each sold separately. All battery powered with real motors. And its own power motor makes it go, go, go. Assemble them easily, then off you go over the hills, around the trees. Power Wheels, classic convertible, Raider, and High Rider all run on rechargeable batteries, each sold separately. All right, Ben, we're in contemporary culture. We're full. We've run back outside. It's time to explore once again. My goodness, how do we tackle this talking about contemporary culture, the effect that all of these wheels and everything had on what comes after the 80s? I've got a few bigger, more maybe, I don't know what you call them, philosophical things, but maybe we can talk about our big three bikes, big wheels and power wheels real real quick and how they kind of show up after because – you got really excited, and I, I cut you off, and I said, save it for contemporary culture, oh, yeah, Ben, because right, I want to talk right. about it, which is this kind of resurgence of 80s childhood bicycle riding nostalgia that once again shows up in pop culture. And I think there's one thing that looms really large in everyone's mind, and we talk about a lot on this show, and then I have a maybe close second, and there could be others. So you were starting to talk about what, Ben? I mean, Stranger Things serves as an iconic thing in our our modern day of 80s pop culture. That is why the show exists. It's what the show is all about. Coming up to its final season this year. Yes. Honestly, one of the scenes that hooked me and made me want to watch this show to its very end is pretty much the second scene in the whole series. The TV series opens with all the kids playing D&D in the basement of, of Mikey the main kid. Yeah. And the game is over and they all jump on their bikes and ride home. And this beautiful 80s inspired synth track plays mm. that's sort of very nostalgic and warm and comforting. And all the kids are are riding their bikes home with friends. Hey, see you next time, man. And then, you know, one peels off and goes home. And it was just such a beautiful capture of like what summer nights were like with your friends ladies with your bike. And then it was time to go home to get home yeah. for dinner. And I was like, this show is nailing something I haven't seen since the 80s. I want to watch how this plays out. I mean, that caught me. And I think actually the poster for, God, which season was it? I mean, one of the scenes has the kids all on their bicycles, 
the poster yeah. for the whole season sitting in the road looking at the uh i forget what it's called it's the giant biggest monster they've all faced we forgot vecna it's not vecna it's, it's the not other one. vecna um <laughs> that might be the season two trailer but yeah Stranger Things power is in looking at all the things that were about kids in the 80s, distilling it down to like a fine tincture and putting it in a TV show. Yeah. And they just knew bicycles were such a cornerstone, it had to become a cornerstone of the series. Yes, absolutely. And I think that poster you're talking about, I want to say is season two, because that's where that big baddie kind of really shows up in full force. I think so. Now we got to look this up again. Wait, isn't two the demon dogs? That's when all they're like, it's all about dogs. You're right. I guess season three is the big spider. It might be Mind Flayer. The Mind Flayer. And you're right. It's season two. And season three. Two. Mind Flayer, season two and three. Yeah, yeah. But two is the poster with the kids on the bikes in the street. It is. Okay, okay, cool. You're right. They absolutely know how to nail that nostalgia in like the most purest, distilled way possible. Yeah, and it just 100%. it triggers all the things. Yeah. The other one that really stuck out to me. And we did talk about this on our show, Stephen King's It. So the remake, the two movie remake recently, you know, as kids, it takes place in the 80s. And same thing. You got them riding their bikes around town. Ben, there's actually that scene where they all pull up to this house and they all just throw their bikes down like in the street, I think. Right, right, right. Yeah. (laughs) They just chuck their bikes on the ground and like walk up to the house. You know, the It movie is great. It obviously doesn't have the same impact as Stranger Things, but I felt like that's another one that, inspired by Stranger Things, did a great job of like hitting some of that mark. Of course, mapping it on with a monster clown, but you know, that's how it goes. As you sometimes. do. As you do. As that's you do. Fine. So I'm sure there's other things, but those are the ones that really, as far as like we're going to do it in an 80s lens, I think those are the two things that stick out most to me. Yeah, I mean, still in children's programming, whatever it is today, you're going to see a lot of bikes and movies and and whatever. But I think that's a good lens of like the 80s rose-colored glasses. So one thing that I just found interesting, and I don't want to get into this too much, but it was just a cool thing about like bikes' impact on society. Oh. And it's one of those things like – I learned this about coffee a while back when people talk about like the economics and the social impact and the, all this stuff of coffee. And you think about, oh, it's just a drink. But when you hear people who know all of this rich history talk about it, you're like, oh my God, coffee is like a major force in the oh, world. Sure. Yeah. And bikes are kind of the same. So there's been studies that show that access to bicycles support bringing people out of poverty and creating economic opportunities. Oh, and they've done a lot of studies. Yeah. Um, in countries like around the world and sh- uh, seeing what that impact has on people and like prosperity and wealth and well-being, women's rights. So bicycles played a huge role in female emancipation. What? Yeah. The bicycle was recognized by 19th century feminists and suffragists as a freedom machine. So there's like a seventh name for bicycle what? for us. Move aside, machine, Swift Walker and Dandy Horse. We've got the Freedom Machine. That's amazing. Ben, before we recorded, I said Susan B. Anthony is going to show up in this episode. And here she is. Miss Anthony herself said in 1896, I think it has done more to emancipate women than any one thing in the world. Bicycles? Yes. Okay, help enlighten me here. What am I missing? So I don't, I'm not going to be able to fully explain this, but part of it is that the way that bicycles were, it was part of like women's dresses back then. You couldn't really safely, again, climbing up on a 12-story penny farthing with those giant (laughs) dresses and petticoats and all this kind of stuff was a dangerous prospect. So it actually like 
women's like tailoring and designing different kinds of like dress for women that weren't always necessarily dresses and like I don't know all the proper terms but basically it was like it had an impact on culture and for women to actually again I think for like mobility reasons as well huh. is to kind of like break free from a lot of the confines placed on women in society like really up into that point and so it's probably a terrible explanation but that's like part of what I read about it um again I didn't want to do a deep dive but I thought that was like super cool also economic. So bicycle manufacturing kind of became this training ground for other industries and leading to developments of other metalworking techniques. Huh. In fact, the Wright brothers, Wilbur and Orville Wright, you know, they got their start as a cycle company. They designed, manufactured, and sold their bicycles during the bike boom of the 1890s before they went on to tackle powered flight. Okay, that's pretty fascinating, actually. Bikes have helped create and enhance new kinds of businesses. Think of like delivery methods on bicycles and people who like a bike is a part of like a, a business or a job or, you know, Paperboy even talking about that. Like kids, <laughs> kids getting jobs before they really should. And then like the last one I'll mention is an environmental impact. It's liberating us from using motor fuel consumption. It's inexpensive. It's fast. It's healthy. It's environmentally friendly. And, you know, it's ridden the world over. It's a huge part of any culture, society, economy. And I was like, yeah, you know, I never thought of it that way, but that's so true. That is pretty amazing. That's a good catch. Good call. Shout out to bicycles. Way to go, bikes. Way to go. <laughs> Way to do it, bikes. So that's just a little bit about bikes. I do want to talk a little bit about big wheels because oh, big wheels yeah. do still exist, by the way. Not just in ice cream sandwich form. Not just in sandwich form. So marketing surveys in the 70s through the 90s placed consistently Big Wheel near the top of the list as one of the most recognizable household brand names of all time. Sure. So again, that's probably a big part of why we have that association with it. And over the years, countless Fortune 500 companies have used the Big Wheel in promotional campaigns to associate with their products. And so it has this staying power. In fact, in 2003, a Florida theme park opened a nostalgia-themed hotel property with a three-story replica of a Big Wheel. So one of its centerpieces. No, that's hilarious. <laughs> that's awesome. It reminds me of those – have you ever seen those like giant Adirondack chairs? I think they're called sure. those wooden yeah. slope back ones. And there's some that it's like – I swear like 12 stories tall. It almost reminds me of that, but it's a Big Wheel. That's <laughs> Amazing. Or I think Longerberger had a giant basket-shaped building in somewhere in Ohio where the no. Longerberger baskets, yeah, <laughs> like the handles oh, and everything. Oh my god! Okay, that's pretty good. I like that a lot. There's a lot of changing of hands over the years. I don't. I won't go through it all because it's not super interesting. But basically, it's still around. I think the most recent owner is Schilling Incorporated. That's as of 2021. So the Big Wheel brand name is still in hands of. Uh, of a company and being produced. And lastly, I'll just say about the big wheel, it was inducted into the National Toy Hall of Fame at the Strong in Rochester, New York in 2009. So there you go. Deserving. Hall of Famer, along with Pat Benatar, who we also covered on this say, podcast. I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> Did I, I going to say, no, no, I'm glad the big wheel made it in because we were about to go to the mats for it. If it wasn't <laughs> in the Toy Hall of Fame, we would have campaigned for it. Look, I've, I've got a big, big wheel story. I've got a big squared wheel story. A square. Oh, big square. A big squared. Big, big. So in 1977, the Marks Company, you mentioned Marks, who did the big wheel. Yeah. Came out with, drumroll please. Oh, boy. The Green Machine. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you aware of this vehicle? Do you know what I'm talking about here? Only from research for this episode. I frankly don't remember it. I didn't have it, but my brother had the green machine. And this thing was bonkers. And the weirdest part of the engineering about this, it's like Stretch Armstrong and the big wheel had a baby. Like, Like really stretch out a big wheel. It's like an older kid's preteen yeah, yeah. age big wheel, right? So it's Yeah, it's much longer, but to steer, there's no handlebars. There's two vertical gear shifts, Yeah, and they just go forward and back, and you push or pull them to turn the back wheels, which is where the turning occurred. Right. And the reason I'm bringing this up in contemporary culture is because my parents were doing their cleaning house maneuver as oh, all yes. parents do at some point, and they threatened, come get your, your green machine or else. The clock is ticking, yep. And my brother, whom is older than I am, was like, Mom, Dad, what am I going to do with this? What, am I, what do I need a green machine <laughs> for? Why do I need this? So they came to me and they're like, you take the green machine. And I was like, I am a near 40-year-old adult. What purpose do I have? And just like you and I talked about earlier, all the tread is worn away. The Mm. wheel's limping to one side. There's cracks in the hull. And this wasn't my toy, so I have no nostalgic connection to it. And so I rejected the green machine and our parents were just crestfallen that neither of us wanted the green machine because this thing meant the world to them, giving it to my brother. So that that happened very recently, just a couple of years ago. But it was, I mean, that was such a great vehicle. It was very, very cool. Yeah, it looked neat. And and I think as like tricks go, that thing would be like, like if you think the big wheel was great for doing like drifting and tricks and stuff, that thing like with the sticks, like you said, and then the back wheels, like, come on, like steering in the back, you're going to do all sorts of crazy maneuvers. So good. I don't have a ton for power wheels. They still are in existence. What's wild with Power Wheels, talk about like branding, there's been over a hundred model names over the years of Power That's Wheels, crazy. cars, trucks, and motorcycles. Because eventually what they did is they actually licensed real cars, like in real brands. Oh, that's a cool a idea. As a Power Wheels version. So you could get a Cadillac Escalade. You could get, I guess, a Lamborghini Countach or something like that. Like you could get all of these different actual cars and a lot of them now look like SUVs and trucks not super surprising I don't think you can get a Prius but I don't know maybe you could it is battery power so why not it is why not but anyway I just thought that was wild over a hundred different models over the years it's a lot it's very cool but there's one model that's near and dear to my heart which is Mattel has produced the Power Wheels Jurassic Park Jeep Wrangler of duh, of course. Yes. It is beautiful. It's you this know, is it's what that, you showed me before that, we started recording. It's so good. It's that desert sand, it's the red rim and the roll yeah. bar, it's got the lights on the back of it. A little surprised it's not the Ford Explorer, but they did have Jeeps as well, right? Oh god, I love the Ford Explorer. Oh, it's a critical part of the whole plot. It's what Muldoon's driving around. It's awesome. Oh, yeah, duh, of course. Actually, doesn't Nedry drives one too, right? He does. It's what they're riding in when they first see the first dinosaur. Yes. It's like okay, it's so critical. Duh, of course. Of but course. Like, it Thank makes you. all these sounds and dinosaur noises, sounds from the movie. Uh, unfortunately, max weight is 130. So if I, I'm going to be on a fitness plan to get down to the weight of a, twel- <laughs> a 12-year-old again so I can have a reason to drive this thing. Ah, uh, they're so cool. Yeah, it looks awesome. I mean, you know, that's the one thing I think about Power Wheels is they really nail the aesthetic and the look. They just, they all look so cool. Even if it's not a vehicle you would want, they look freaking cool. They're very cool. My only hope is like for the 
quote unquote girls' cars. Not everything is Pepto Abysmal pink like it was in the eighties. That's one thing I didn't That's mention. That Barbie uh, Corvette or whatever. Yeah, like well, all their cars, like boy, the boy cars, if you will, got all of these like different flashy colors and cool things, and all the girls' ones are like, here, we just vomited Pepto Abysmal over everything. You get a pink Corvette. You get a pink Lamborghini. You get a pink. It's like okay, all right, we get. There it. can be other colors we in the palette. Get it, come on. Well, we're, we're we're talking, you know, contemporary culture anyway. That was a big thing in the 80s and the 90s too. I mean, before that, were like toys geared towards a specific gender. And you still have some of that. Yeah. But it's become a lot more neutral in the toy world. And you just don't see that as much anymore. I hope so. I don't have a reason to go peruse toys very much anymore. Other than, like I said, I think last episode like when I met- Target. When I'm at Target, I'm looking at Legos. How can you? Or How if I go know? to the Lego store at the mall, absolutely. But like other than that, I really don't pay attention. So I like to think that's true. I don't know if it is. Thankfully, like all the youngsters in my life, I don't have to buy anything for because the parents are like, they got enough stuff. Don't worry about oh my it. God. Yeah. Spend time with them. And I'm like, bingo, happy to do that. That's my preference anyway. So again, we could talk about so many things. Gosh. You know what, Ben? We didn't even talk about like skateboarding. That was such an 80s thing. Back to the future. Come on, Marty McFly, oh the God. forefather of skate. You know, it's uh, <laughs> the forefather of skate. We didn't talk about a lot of things that people are probably going to be like, you dirtbags could not, after two hours of recording, imagine a small little section for this important thing I want to hear about. Sorry, there's too much to cover. We're getting toward the end of contemporary culture. I do want to talk about adult wheels. Ben, you kind of talked about this in chemistry. Once again, I put my foot on the brake. I said, I pulled the handbrake on you. And I said, I love this energy. Bottle it up. Let's save it. And we're going to release it like nitrous. The Nas. We're going to hit the Nas. We're fast and furious (laughs) in here, right here in every culture. Very excited. So one thing we asked our class of 80s high, like, hey, as an adult, are there any cool wheels on your wish list? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're all grown up. Did we suddenly lose our interest in having fun outdoor adventures? No, Never going to stop. I don't think so. Never stop stopping. Can't stop, won't stop. So Bikeless Smith says, I would like to live in a place where a moped would be viable, but also high-speed rail across the United States, all caps. And I just want to say, like, basically every other word of high-speed rail across the United States had expletives in it. Uh, this person is very <laughs> passionate about high-speed rail. Which, you know, I got to agree, we are way behind <laughs> most yeah. of the industrialized world in oh, yes. speed rail. So it'd be nice. We've got, you know, we've got a few people in our uh, in our corner uh, working hard to try and make that happen. So we've got some catching up to, but we're right there we with do. you, uh, bicyclists. Uh, listener Greg said, not going to lie, an e-bike would be pretty dope, but also kind of defeats the purpose of biking, question mark? Maybe a scooter, like a Vespa, would be fun. You know what, Greg? Don't censor yourself. You know, I think e-bikes are amazing. They're a cool feature of our city. You can actually check out an e-bike on the sidewalk. Yeah, right, right, right. Hop on and you got yourself a set of wheels. Also, speaking of scooters, I'll just interject right here. We've got a lot of electric scooters that you can also do. I've used that to get around this city before. They are a lot of fun. Those are fun. Yeah, yeah. I freaking love riding those anytime that I can whenever I have the excuse. A little pricey, but you know what? If I need it, I need this set of wheels. They're right there. Super fast. Such a joy. Last up, classmate Allison, I want a really souped up rally car. Think Subaru WRX with Mm. all the bells and whistles for going fast and off-road. 
That's awesome. I love it. I like where you're at. That's amazing. I will say I have owned a Mini Cooper, which oh, is yeah. basically a go-kart Yeah. in yeah. terms of its handling. Very fun car to drive, very maneuverable. And I've had a Mazda Speed 3. Oh, yeah. Turbo, very fast, lots of fun, great pickup. Love those cars. Mazda 3 was a manual transmission, not great in a city like Seattle, with a lot of stop and go and hills oh, yeah. and such. Awful. So I got rid of it when I moved here, but I definitely understand the thrill of something like a Subaru. Yeah, the, I had my eye on a WRX for a long time. So this question we gave our classmates were like, are, are there any cool wheels on your wish list? Are there any sets of wheels that you covet, that you wish you, or experiences on wheels you, you wish you could have? I mean, I would love to have my own electric scooter, to be honest with you, oh, which yeah. is not a very yeah, yeah, fancy yeah, yeah. thing. But, you know, like if I had a practical place for them, like just to be able to zip around everywhere. And that's purely for mobility. It's not for fun. I mean, I'd have fun doing it, but it's really from personal mobility because, you know, getting around the city can be a challenge sometimes. So there is that. I mean, I would love to have – there's so many cars I have a love affair with. I'll see it. I'm like, oh, I want that one. Oh, that's so awesome. Oh, that's so cool. It would be boring to name them all. But yeah, I think anything that's kind of like fun and zippy and a little offbeat, you know, like the Mini when it came out, not a lot of people had them. And I was like, oh, it's yeah. kind of a cool, yeah. funky little car. That's great. I want that. You know, stuff like that. I'm having a little trouble coming up with a modern example. How about you, wish list? First of all, I do want to say, singer-songwriter of our show, Greg, also had a Mini Cooper. He's the first person I ever knew who had a Mini and ah. riding in that. You could like change the interior lights for different moods. But that so thing hugged the road and could turn oh, yeah. so well. It had such yeah. great grip. That car was awesome. That thing would not leave the road. It was like no, Velcro it was on the great. street. Yeah. For me, in true Marty McFly fashion, I would like to ride one of these hoverboards the kids are all about these days. <laughs> I've, I've seen them on them. There's like different styles where it's like the big fat wheel in the middle and you balance. Mm. And then there's like the two wheels where it all lights up all silly. I don't know. I'd like to try everything once. That's my goal. I like trying everything at least once. And I've never, I've never tried any of these hoverboards that started coming out five, six, seven years ago. And so I'd like to get my feet on one of those and see how long I could sit on it before I fell off. Um, but let's talk a little bit about some of our favorite adult wheels that we've had. We've talked about a few of them. Ben, what else? Is there anything else on your list you wanted to talk about? About my favorite wheels. My first car was a Saab 9000. It was beaten to heck. It looks a lot like um, Volvos did back in the day, very boxy. It wasn't the normal rounded kind of- Both Swedish cars, so yeah. Yeah, exactly. Which we bought used and gave back right away because after six months, everything in the hood was leaking. So that like, but I still loved it. It was just such a cool car. Yeah. I mean, my two rides today, I've got an 18-year-old Toyota Tacoma that is cooking like brand new. The, the thing is my workhorse. I love it so much. I've got a million great memories in that thing from driving on forest access roads to sitting in the bed at drive-in movie theaters, yeah. um, driving friends home who, uh, you know, had had a good time in college in the bed of that truck and getting them home safe. I, I love that truck to death. Uh, and then when the summer is nice and warm, I have a, I have a 2013 Honda Shadow Phantom uh, 700 for a little a little fun uh, motorcycle action along you know winding country roads or going out by the water or something like that. But um, I don't really covet any like really cool vehicles. All I want to do is ride a kid's hoverboard. I'm very <laughs> happy with my wheels sitting in the garage. I like I like where they're at. I guess it's the thing, like I don't have like a huge need for something. It's just something that would be fun and I don't have to own it. Like if I lived out in the country, like having one of those, would you say like the the grown-up 
Gators? Golf cart was called a gator. Gators, That would yeah. be super fun. Like Those something like rad. a little vehicle like that would be a lot of fun to just take out and drive around and get dirty in. That would be super cool. Oh, yeah. Well, and your set of wheels right now is awesome. Yeah, so I have a, a small van that is an adventure van. So I've got a little cargo pod on top where I can deploy various inflatable a kayak or a paddleboard, and it's also kitted out so that it has a bed platform, and it's got oh yeah gearbox for all my outdoor adventure stuff. It's got a little kitchen box, so if we ever go out car camping, I can uh, take the van, and I've got a spot there. I've got a little awning I can pop out the back. It's uh, it's my little adventure wheels. It's great, so much fun. Well, and we talked about like kids, like the big rite of passage was getting that bicycle and how it opened up your world of possibilities. You're doing that adult style. Like having a camper van means you don't have to like look for places to stay or sleep when, when yeah. adventuring. You can just, you're all self-sufficient and really opens up your world. You're, you're still living the childhood dream, man. And it's kind of great too, because like I've got a small van that serves as a regular car as well as that. So I can still get around the city in it. Um, it has a lot of practicality, but you know. I don't have the space that somebody has like a, a fully kitted out, sweet, sweet uh, sprinter. Maybe that maybe that could be on my wish there list you go. to have one of those. The other thing that I think would be cool to have, Ben, and we've done this a few times, again, wheels, stretching a little bit, snowmobiling. I mean, there are wheels inside the treads that make the treads go round and round and round and round. Very true. We've done that now together three times. Every time has been a freaking blast. We've had so much fun. That would be something that if I, I lived in a place that I could have and use a snowmobile a lot. Oh, for sure. Oh, my God. It's a motorcycle on snow. What more do you want? It's great. So let's wrap up contemporary culture and talk a little bit, I guess, at large about outdoor play. You spoke sure. earlier. You were talking about how like this is a rite of passage. It's such a huge part of growing up and getting that newfound freedom. And I want to talk a little bit about just outdoor play because you know I found a couple sources for this, which I think were cool. and. I think drive home the point of what we're trying to make when we talk about nostalgia and embracing modern technology, but also hoping that kids are finding ways to have these experiences as well, because we know how powerful they were. They weren't just fun. They really unlocked certain things within us. And so I found this great quote, which is, outdoor play helps children grow socially, helping them to develop healthy ways of forming friendships, responding to physical interaction and using their imaginations to entertain each other. This is from Dr. Lockwood. Well, thank you, Doc. We basically said all that. So a doctor, <laughs> one out of one doctors agree with us, Ben. But see, that's 100%. You know, like we're, we're knocking out of the park. Yeah. It helps them solve problems, build relationships within their peer group, and gain a respect for nature. And I just thought that was something really interesting. It was in an article about benefits of outdoor play and why it matters. And it led me to this other thing, kind of pairing that statistic, an article that said our children spend half as much time playing outside as we did in the 80s. The National Trust from, this is in the UK, said kids today spend 50% less time playing outdoors than their parents did. This was from a survey. I think it was over a thousand or so people that were surveyed. Basically, was saying that kids spend on average four hours or less per week Ugh. compared to previous generations where it'd be more like eight hours or more. I felt like we were outside all the time, but that's yeah. probably accurate. That's a bummer. What was nice is it wasn't just doom and gloom, but they said also, hey, we've made a list of 50 things to do before you're 11 and three quarters. Okay. I love the specificity. That may sound like a train platform in a very popular British oh, children's yeah. book series, but- 
No relation. This is based off of research that tells us that experiences of connecting with nature boost children's physical, social, and mental development. And also, this comes from this 2019 study of looking at 12-year-olds, observing that children start to drift away from nature meanings in their language from as young as 10 years old. What they mean by nature meanings is like kids, when they hear the word tweet, don't think of birds. They think of the social media platform. Oh, that's horrific. You know, it's that kind of a thing where they're actually losing this connection to nature words, natural words that are in a vocabulary and therefore the experiences that kind of come along with it. Paired with that, research shows that if you can get children engaged in something before they're 12 years old, they're more likely to pick it up again and carry it on as habits throughout their later life. So with this research in hand, it's not just like, hey, this is terrible. Everything was better back then. Bye. They came up with a list of 50 things to do before you're 11 and three quarters. Now, I won't go through an entire list, but we'll put a link to it in the show notes. I have to start off Explore on Wheels. It's right there, everybody. Sure. Of course. Duh. Roll down a big hill. Great. Build a den. Like outdoors. Like a fort, basically. So good. Go on a scavenger hunt. Yep. Good. Find your way with a map. Ooh, good. And it just goes on from there. And some of them are about connecting to animals. Some of them are about connecting to plants. Some of them are about, you know, like watching the sun, getting up early to watch the sunrise, staying up late to see the sunset, just all kinds of experiences because you're not just having them by yourself as a kid. You're there with your family. And so as adults, you get to share this experience. And again, like it was a very cool list of 50 things. And I thought that was just really awesome because also, you know, we're, we're busy. Our attention's spread in different areas. Some of us are great at coming up with experiences. Other people, like myself, are terrible at it. But if I had this list and I was a parent, I'd be like, oh, sweet. I'm just going to check off all these 50 things. Right. Just work through it. Yeah. I've got activities for the next, you know, however long it takes us to get through there and just see what happens. And so, like I said, I'll put that in the show notes, but I thought that would be a, a fun and hopefully inspirational way to say that you're never too old and it's never too late to connect to nature, either as a child or an adult or anywhere in between. No, I love it. I, I can't quote it uh, as well as you are, but anyone who has ever worked in outdoor education has read the book Last Child in the Woods, which oh. is which is a heartbreaking book, but it's a great study on the value of getting kids outside, especially in nature. Okay. But Last Child in the Woods is, is a phenomenal book that talks a lot about what you're doing. It's not, uh, again, it's very specific, much more about like specifically in nature, not so much about bikes and, well, you'll use maps, you'll use geocaching, you'll do that kind of stuff. Yeah. But that book is an awesome read on this topic. Highly recommend it. Awesome. We'll put that in the show notes as well. I love it. It's going to be your summer reading list. But go outside too. Be yeah, outside. I was going to say, when you're not outside playing, you got a summer reading list for next Boom. year. Well, I think it's time for math class. And Ben, if a Power Wheels leaves the cafeteria at 7 a.m. and is traveling at two miles an hour, how long would it take me on a big wheel? Okay, no, no, no. (laughs) Amazing. We're not going to do math problems, thankfully. Uh, But let's see how these classic conveyances hold up today in 2023. I'll see you down the hall. I'm speeding on my way. Motor. Now, 
all the rest of the words. That's all you need to know. That's all um, you need to know. <laughs> we haven't mentioned it, but I did come here on roller skates. We haven't talked about roller skates. I loved going to roller skating. Yeah, we didn't like talk roller rinks, roller man. rinks. Yes, like absolutely. for birthday parties, there was a lot of drama there with your friends and crushes and that kind of thing. So I, I decided to roller skate down here. We didn't want to give short shrift, but we didn't also want a 32-hour episode. No, and neither did you, listener. Neither did you. No. Okay. What we do need is a final verdict on, again, I don't really know how we sort of stack all this up in a math class, but we both always find a way. So, Ben, <laughs> this discussion that we have, how does it all hold up today in 2023? Do you want to kick us off? I mean, I'll do the best I can. This is a big one. This is large. This is not, as, a lot. not as focused as uh, Duck Hunt Light Zapper. Yeah, it's a very squishy thing to tackle. So, I mean, just yeah, you got, any, any you way that makes wheels, sense. You got bicycles. The reason the vehicles we've talked about in this episode hold up is because they represent an idea, a philosophy. Mm. And much like Batman, you can't kill an idea. That's the power. You can't kill a symbol. It's because they represent freedom. It represents this this rite of passage, this moment in your youth mm. where you no longer have to be a plebeian walking on your jellies to your friend's house. You have wheels that are yours. You either saved up your money and bought it or a relative got it for you for some milestone holiday or your birthday. And now you have the freedom to get yourself to your friend's house or to run errands if you want to go down to like the corner shop and pick up some some garbage pail kids' cards and get some gum out of some card packs. Like you now have this agency to act upon your desires in a swift, cool-looking way mm. and to go play with your friends. And, and whatever form that would take in life – whether it was a big wheel, if we all got equipped with helicopters as kids, I don't know, baseball bats did that for you. Like that, that idea of childhood is untouchable. You can't break that. That is there. It happens. And, and the vehicles are just the vehicle to, to mm. get you to that part of, of growing up. And so I think they're awesome. I think they're super critical. I, I think obviously, like you said, power wheels are still here in a million different forms. I see kids riding bikes, and um, I've got a kid who rides up a scooter up and down the road right now. He's right. He's learning how to do his scooter right now. You see them all over the place, and I think, lastly, to your point, and maybe you'll have some insight on this. Maybe we should have talked about this more in contemporary culture. But there is a lot more indoor entertainment these days mm -hmm. than we used to. I mean, the endless streaming services of and and lots of video games social media yep. yeah board games there's millions of board games and in the 80s what you had sorry and and monopoly there's a lot of reasons to keep us in well and i would also say there's more easy ways to create content as well not just consume oh it. yeah absolutely that's a great point how much the youth have their own streaming on twitch or youtube the content they're making even a couple of 40-somethings who think they can make a podcast? Who are those, I mean, who it's are those like, God, come on. Who is even listening? And I understand last three years, let's not count that. The last three years have been a little weird in that world. But um, hopefully the, the parents or the uncles and the aunts or the other relatives who are listening to our podcast, who have kids who are maybe sitting inside in the couch too much, hear this. Read the 50 things you should do outside before 11 and three quarters that Chris is going to drop in the show notes and, and be a force for good in your community and your family to, to help kids get outside and have these bonding experiences. Because I think, 
you know, like you said, not everything holds up from the 80s. You don't need to watch the Snorks again. I don't even think you need to watch ALF, kind of like what we said again. But playing outside with your friends on a set of wheels, that's an iconic part of growing up that'll just pay dividends the rest of your life. So so get out there and uh, what did I say? Light the fires and kick the tires, baby. <laughs> Uh, what about you? What's what's uh, what's the hammer you're going to bring down? No big wheels, all treads all the time. Only snowmobiles. What's what's your verdict? Life is a big wheel front tire that's been worn down, and you can't get any traction. <laughs> no, no, no. I I wrote a bunch of stuff down. Like Ben and listeners, just beware. I wrote a bunch of stuff down. I don't know if any of this is going to make sense, you're just but gonna, we're just going to we're going to explore we go. together because it's all about exploration. Because, I mean, it is true. How do you evaluate something like as big as this topic to a modern lens? Ben, I think you you covered it pretty well. Yeah. I like what you said. You know, the idea of letting kids get outside and explore, it was a wonderful experience. It shaped our social lives in ways I think we couldn't even really fathom. And I believe we're seeing some of that loss in how we feel more disconnected these days, even in the face of our amazing technology. Because again, we don't like think about the pandemic, let's move past it. But if it taught us anything, it's that technology is a lousy substitute for the real thing. How many freaking virtual happy hours and virtual meetings? Oh my God. And you're like, enough already. This is lousy. Kids learning online. Like it was just, I know so many kids who struggled. It was a lot because that personal experience matters. What also I think kind of matters is a visceral analog experience. Yeah. I love things that are digital. I love things that are electronic. But that big wheel vibrating violently underneath you, you felt it in your hands, in your backside, in your bottom. You felt it everywhere. Like that whole thing was just like rattling, humming to life. I don't know. There's just something amazing about that kinetic, moving, visceral experience. A thousand percent. And, you know, learning that bikes and tricycles had this transformative experience on our ability to thrive as a species – from those cultural, economic, health, and environmental impacts, all the way to those irreplaceable memories as kids roaring down the road, feeling alive, feeling danger, and feeling possibilities. Ooh. You know, one area I think we do have to reconcile with is the balance of safety and freedom. Ooh. We didn't get too much in this, but there were a lot of safety recalls on power wheels. We oh, talked about some of the sure, safety concerns yeah. with bicycles and tricycles. You know, you mentioned the whole joke, screaming down that hill, not a safety precaution on your body. No, no. Now, you know, kids have all the pads, all the helmets and all the things. And it's like, on one hand, it's like, we didn't have that back then. But if that's what it takes for them to still have that experience today, I say, yes, let's do it. We don't want to take it away. But then also there's like a weird phenomenon of like kids playing in the front yard and then an adult walks by and like calls the police because they're like, unattended child, unattended child. It's terrible. Like where's, we need a balance here. Yeah. You know, we want to keep kids safe. We want to keep companies responsible for their products, but I don't want it to come at the expense of kids missing out on these awesome experiences. And then lastly, I'll just say, we talked about this, I think, in maybe the fast food toys episode. There's also a concern here about plastic waste. That these toys created. Very fair, very important to bring up. Thank you. Especially the big wheel, the epitome of the cheap and discardable product. I hope that we can find sustainable ways to create these kinds of toys so those experiences don't go away, but I don't want them to stay at the further expense of our ocean health. It's a good point. Which is ultimately our health. We don't want that. Microplastics, all that awful stuff. Delicious. uh, So good to my lungs. So tasty, tasty microplastics. So 
I don't want to end on that downer, no, but I, I would say this. Undeniably, the desires for exploration, freedom, and excitement, I think they are essential to the human spirit. And I say to that, let the spirit ride. <laughs> let the spirit ride. Ben, thank you for helping me. We're screaming down the hill. We didn't know where it was going to land. Thankfully, we're not in a pile of bikes and bodies at the bottom of a cul-de-sac. <laughs> we uh, we made it. So thank you so much for joining me. And I'm raring to go on the last segment of this episode, which is where you reveal next episode's topic. What do we have to look forward to on the next episode of 80s High? Oh, I love it. Well, this was a great pick. Thank you for doing this one. Brought back a lot of warm memories from uh, rolling around the neighborhood as a kid. This was awesome. So for the next episode, as you say, there were three inspirations. Because we all know, if we all watched our schoolhouse rocks, three is the magic number. Rule of threes. First, this was the month of Valentine's Day. Love was in the air. Okay. Sweet heart-shaped candies were going around. I received a Valentine in the mail. You did get a Valentine in the mail. That's true. Very adorable. So we had Valentine's Day. Okay. And you also came up with this episode of our favorite summer wheels. And I love pop culture vehicles from the 80s. Mm -hmm. uh, I've got the Michael Keaton Batmobile model in my garage. I've got the Ghostbusters Ecto-1. I've got a whole plethora of Star Wars vehicles all in the house. I just There's so many iconic, cool. There's the DeLorean. I've got that in the garage. I've got yeah. Ripley's Power Loader. Wait, you have an actual DeLorean in your garage? <laughs> 88 miles per hour. Uh, that would be amazing. <laughs> um, but I just love pop culture rides, I think are very yeah. cool. And the last thing, if I know anything about my co-host, is that he has a fascination with true crime. Okay. So combining Valentine's, favorite wheels, and true crime. On the next episode of 80s High, we're going to hop in the backseat of my favorite foul-mouthed taxi cab, Benny the Cab, and join Eddie Valiant as we try and answer the true crime question, who framed Roger Rabbit? Oh my god! <laughs> that took me way too long to come to. Oh my god. I am so freaking excited. <laughs> right? uh... I feel like we've talked about doing this movie, and I was like, "It's. I think it's going to come up. Oh, I... Oh my God. I, I'm speechless. Oh, I'm so excited. Yes. Great, Can't right? wait. I'm so excited. There's so much to unpack. I really want to get into it. I love this film. It's going to be great. I'm stoked. I'm stoked for this. Uh, I haven't seen this movie in a long time either. That's going to be the best part is I'm going to go back in and just like, it's going to punch all those right buttons. It's going to be good. I freaking cannot wait. I'm so excited it came up this season. In fact, next episode. Next episode. Wonderful pick. I cannot wait. Oh, my God. Well, in just a couple weeks, class, we'll see you in Toontown on the next episode of, of 80s High. High. Woo! Thanks, everyone, for listening to 80s High Podcast by Ben and Chris. Our theme song is by Greg Reed with vocals by Chad Bumford. Show artwork is by Alex Goddard at alexgoddarddesign.com. If you like the show, please support us by passing a note to a friend in your next class. Also, you can rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to help spread the rumor. Stay radical.